You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Welcome to episode number 62 of the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron Howell. Tony Lee's not here. Logan's not here. Ty's not here. It's just, Gordo's not here. It's just good old Air Bear the Pube Hair Bear doing this all by himself. I do have guests in the studio today, which I will introduce here in a minute. I'm excited to have these guys on. Uh, but first and foremost, this is the official podcast of the international power rock combo, motherfucking ruckus, from Denver and Chicago, respectively. A couple quick housekeeping items. Uh, we do have some shows coming up. July 26th, we're going to be at Lost Lake with Hail Satan and uh, the Diffusers in their Denver debut and uh, Ceasefire. That's going to be a fun one. We're going to be celebrating the premiere of the second chapter of our new motion comic, The Front Lines of Good Times, Chapter 2. Um, we're going to premiere it that night. I think it'll be going on YouTube that night as well. I'm not sure. But we're also going to have the print edition of Chapter 3 by Jake Fairley available at that show. Um, if you want to get tickets fee-free, fee 5 fo fum you can get those directly through us. Um, you can send $10 to, uh, via PayPal to mfruckusinfo at gmail.com or via Venmo at Wolf H-O-W-E-L-L-E-N-W-U-L-F. Something really easy to remember there. So if you, if you need that, um, that at, that handle again for Venmo, you can shoot us a message on any of our channels. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. We're doing a double header on July 27th. We're playing the Maggie's Farm Festival in North Pueblo, Colorado at the Old Pinion Truck Stop. Um, that's going to be a fun one. It's going to be celebrating the, uh, I, I think the one year anniversary of the grand opening of their Pinion location. There's going to be a pinup contest and a car show and we're going to play and Reno Divorce is going to play and the Atomic Drifters and Last Rhino and there's going to be a cannabis pavilion. I don't know if you're going to be able to buy weed there, but I'm sure they'll have gift certificates for all that stuff. Uh, it is open to the public and free, so come check that out. And then that night, we're going to be teaming up with the Black Monarch Hotel in Victor, Colorado, which uh, if, if you haven't seen yet, you should really look it up. It's a cool, spooky hotel that a friend of ours opened up in Victor, uh, remodeled a, an old 1800s brothel across the street from another old 1800s brothel where we'll be playing the show. Um, we're going to be playing at the Fortune Club there in Victor. It's going to be a ton of fun. So there's a day show and a night show there on the 27th. For more information on that, you can go to our website, mfruckus.com. Uh, also, we are getting ready to announce a couple of shows since only like 12 people listen to this podcast. Um, I don't feel too bad announcing preemptively, prematurely. Premature has always been my thing, which is why I celebrated Father's Day for the first time this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so we're going to be playing during the day at New Worst Fest in Colorado or in Fort Collins at Music City Hot Chicken. Stay tuned for more info on that. We had a lot of fun when we did it last year. And then also, Hank is finally coming back. Some of you may remember that we ended up having to postpone our show with Hank Von Hell, former lead singer of Turbo Negro, when um, he, there were some issues with his travel visa and he had to cancel his whole tour and couldn't get into the United States. So that has finally been rescheduled for August 17th at the Oriental Theater. It has not been officially announced, but but you can trust me, that show is happening. So stay tuned for an official announcement on that. Also, it looks like we're going to be going out to California in the fall, possibly going out to Oklahoma City in the fall. So stay tuned for that. Now, that out of the way, I would like to introduce my guests, uh, two of the members of, you might have heard us mention this band, and we we did a one for the homies shout out to him on one episode. We played with these guys on 420 at uh, Mutiny Information Cafe for the Top Secret Barbosa Brothers Big Bowl Smokeout Party. It was a ton of fun. They blew our minds. Please welcome Braden and Abe from Hangman's Hymnal. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Aaron. It's very good to have you on. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while. This, it's good uh, to be here. yeah, man. Um, first of all. The show that we played with you guys, uh, man, we uh, could not shut up about it on the episode we did after doing that with you guys. Have you guys listened to the show at all? No. No. Not even a little bit. <laughs> you know, you and most other I meant people. To, I meant to get to that. <laughs> we're, uh, we're idiots. You, I, I, I don't know. You and a majority of people, um, as far as the not listening thing, not the idiot thing. I don't think a majority of people are idiots. I don't know, man. You don't know? I don't know. Firmly disagree. I, I no, I think how about a plurality, maybe? I think I think um just the 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 idiotic people tend to be the loudest percentage of people. That's for sure. So it leads us to believe that there's more of them out there than they than there are. You know what I mean? You might and, be right. And and the the people who upset hey, the Hey, let me ask you something. Uh what is this glass? What would you say? Is it, uh, it, oh, are, are you are you asking me the optimist pessimist question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was gonna say it's a it's a mug with a handle. No, 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 no. Just how much? How much? You know. I'd say it's a. It? I'd say it's about seven tenths full. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but for those for those of you who didn't listen to the podcast where we were we were blowing you guys um, on record for all of our you know scores of listeners. Um, we had a really, really good time playing with you guys. We were really impressed. I had heard your name before. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I had heard about you guys back when Mark Rossi was still playing with you. And Mark Rossi was my barber for a bit. I tend to rotate with some of the other people that, that he works with now, but he was pretty much my my go-to barber at that point, and he had mentioned that he was playing with you guys, and that was kind of the first time you guys really got on my radar. But much like you haven't listened to this show, <laughs> I <laughs> didn't listen to your band until that night, which 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 is the reason that, that if, you're, if you're out there and you're in a band and you're listening, uh, go out and play shows with people you've never played shows with before. 
is you'll probably discover some some hidden treasures out That's there. That's great. I think that advice. means I've got about That's another four years before I have to listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, I I'll think, put it on the stack. I think uh, um, I, you know what? I'm going to subscribe right now. There you I'm go. Gonna, I'm going to get you're this gonna out do of the it, way do, right now. You're going to do it. Yeah. I'll do it too. Right Let's now. do it now. If I, I need a new podcast, now if I could only guilt trip like. I don't know, 20, 30,000 people. Listeners. Nice. <laughs> no, actually, I don't know how many listeners we have now because um, I stopped looking at the numbers because I find that my anxiety and depression both ramp up when I'm looking at any sort of analytics too often. I don't know if that happens for you guys too. I, it just happens with everything, actually, unfortunately. <laughs> just being my, alive my in general. And, yeah, that just that just comes out whenever. You guys have a five star rating. What do you? What, we have a five star rating because twelve of our friends it's have out, gone. Of, out, of, <laughs> out of eleven ratings, oh, five it's stars. The, it's the MF podcast. See, okay. that's that's how you know that this it's only friends listening. Even find it. That's how you know it's only friends listening. We've talked about this before on the show. You know you've arrived when people are trying to take you down. Well, you know since what you're I mean? good friends, my friends are dicks. They'd, they'd have me down to like two stars. I'm gonna they'd be get, like, I'm gonna this get, guy I'm, sucks. I'm going to pull this down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to fuck up our habit. <laughs> Hangman's hymnal episode. You guys Total had garbage. a five-star rating. See, I think that's, that's good, though. I, like, when I buy a product off of Amazon or I'm getting ready to go to a new place, I skip all the good reviews and I look for the worst possible review that I can find. Like I want to see what they did that just, just made people hate that product or hate that service. You right. know what I mean? Right. So like when I look when like, I look at like a po- the sugar free gummy bears. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what what about the sugar free oh, gummy you, bears? The the best negative reviews on all of Amazon are the the Haribo sugar free gummy bears. You've what? done a fuckload of podcasts here, my friend. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, you guys are episode number sixty-two, man. All right, well, Jesus, we're not fucking around. We get we <laughs> yeah. get together every week, man. Dude, these things are over two hours long. Oh yeah, wow. oh yeah. People ha- people have more of a bandwidth for long form conversation than you'd expect. Really? Oh yeah. There, there's been all sorts of information coming out that some of the most popular podcasts in the world are like some of the most popular so forms in the media. That's why Bill Burr's is really popular. That's why just riffing is like. Oh, dude, Joe Rogan gets three hundred. Well, yeah. He gets yeah. three hundred million downloads yeah. a month. Bunch a of, month. Bunch of alt right folks. God, I, d- see, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. He pulls, I know, from, he pulls I know, them from all corners. He pulls them from all corners. Yeah, all corners. Yeah. He does have a. He just does seem to have a sympathetic ear for. Well, some, he some enjoys fun folks. what some fun folks. So I listened to an interview with him recently, and he is interested in having conversations with interesting people. And whether or not you agree with what someone's politics might be, like Alex Jones is a fucking lunatic. There's no arguing that in either that or he's a he's a great con man. One of the two, right? Like I'm not a fan of little, him. Little from column A, little from column. I'm not B, a fan honestly. of what he says, but he is undeniably an interesting character. Oh, he's fucking yeah, but to have him more time. than once. I mean, come on, you have him once. <laughs> he's you do your interesting conversation, but, and then like. But he's going to be interesting <clears throat> every time you have him on. You know, I don't know. Yeah, like I think he should have booked him and then just had like some of his UFC buddies just beat the living <laughs> shit out of him. <laughs> out that would have been fantastic. And then they could have live streamed it, and I bet it would have been the most downloaded episode ever. See, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Like he seems me- he seems legitimately mentally ill to me. 
You know what I mean? Like he seems like this is a, kid. This a, is like a you, sad, chubby a, little. You're angry a glass man. half full guy. You're a let's treatment, not uh, you know harm like, reduction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's actually it's a it's a, we need a treatment model, not an enforcement model. Well, and I'm I'm just curious to hear what's what's out there in the world. You know, I'm curious to know who's walking around. I'm curious to know. Um, you know what what the boundaries of human thought are if that makes sense so when i hear someone like alex jones ranting and raving it's like wow there are people out there not only that listen to this guy but there's people out there that are probably more extreme than this dude i think he's more on the i think he's more on the huckster side of things i had a friend quite honest i had a friend who seems like a a a person who's willing to employ any tactic in order to I think to, he's uh, just succeed. smart enough to know what what fucking pays the bills. Well, yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean I, yeah. I think he turns right, I enough. think he turns the crazy on on purpose to a degree. To I'm, sell his I'm creatine sure, supplements. I'm sure he does. I'm yeah. sure he does. But uh yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I he's one of those guys that like if he caught fire I I I wouldn't bat an eye. You wouldn't bat an eye? I wouldn't bat an if eye. If he caught I mean I'd stare. If he yeah, if he I'd caught stare. fire I'd be, I'd be like my eyes would be wide open. Yeah, um, I wouldn't bat them. You, you, <laughs> I would pry them open. I would. I would. So as to ensure, I wouldn't miss a millisecond of bag. watching him burn. <laughs> <laughs> this I, took a dark turn. No, I mean not really. It, that's the thing is is it's if if we s- summarized this little tangent of the conversation into two hundred and forty characters and put it in a tweet, we would get ripped apart. You know what I mean? Or if, from from any direction. But then just the three of us sitting in a room having a brief conversation, you can hear the tone and you can hear the context and you can you can hear you, you can hear us exploring ideas and playing in the sandbox. And that is one of the beautiful <laughs> things about long form content is you have you have a lot more bandwidth to kind of. Uh, infer someone's position to infer someone's intention behind something that they're talking about in so much as this was a very very roundabout defense of joe rogan (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i think it's a good show uh, uh, i no, i've I've listened to it i I think depending on depending on who's on it and i and i certainly right i don't listen to it i watch fights all the time i listen more to his Fight calls so to, speaking of which, you're a fighter, aren't you? Well, are you? I, I you're, wouldn't go that far. Well, you're he's a master of karate. I, I you, wouldn't you, go that far either. I've been training karate for what about color is your belt, years. sir? For about five years. Yeah. What color is your belt? It's brown. Hey, brown belt and karate—that's like almost a black belt. He's I'm damn near hoping, a master. Of I'm hoping karate. to be testing for black and belt friendship. next uh, February. How many stripes do you have on your brown belt? Well, the way we do it is, uh, it goes orange, green, blue. Uh, two purples, three browns, and then you go to black. And I'm on the last one before black. So you've only you've only been in that in, in that for five years. Yeah. So based upon what I know about you, which is almost nothing, by the way, Abe, and I want to get into that more because <laughs> I I, I want to learn more about your background and more about you as a person, and I want to learn more about Braden's background and Braden as a person. But one thing I have noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is you are what might be called in the Enneagram an enthusiast. You're interested in a great many things at 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 all times. Like you are interested in martial arts and you are a visual artist and illustrator and you are a songwriter and and Hangman's Hymnal is 
not the only style of music that you perform or write, and you're 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 interested in a great many things. Would that be a correct assumption? I would say that's true. I'm fanatical about a handful of things. You're fanatical. So I'm what are you fanatical about? Uh, martial arts, music, drawing. Uh, is there a time limit on it? Like, is it like a few years? Like, how many years need to go by before you need a change or you need to quit something or ne it needs to develop in a different direction? I don't know, man. Pay attention like, here because I've we're going to see how long it's going to be before your band breaks. <laughs> no way. No way. Because I've been doing music since I was uh, since I was in high school and I'm old. So I've been playing music for 35 years. Let's like, talk a little bit about that. So what is what is what are the broad strokes of your story the broad, of your hero's journey into music broad strokes are i came up in the pacific northwest in the 80s in the late 80s no mid 80s mid to late 80s started playing in bands uh was there for the whole seattle explosion um, how old are you by the way 50 get the fuck out of here I no swear you to are god. not i wow. swear to god Okay, right on. So you were the, you were there when the shit was going down. I was there we, in the we, Pacific we, Northwest. We, my old band, my name, opened for Soundgarden and Nirvana. Same show. No way. Uh, before they were huge, we used to go see Soundgarden with fifty people. Like wow, they were, he's gonna uh, get his black belt awesome. the same year he gets his AARP. Exactly. <laughs> no, I already have that, motherfucker. He's gonna they get it. Already have it. Early. He's gonna get his black belt and name dropping any minute. Uh, Holy shit! I, look, I'm just no, no, no. You said no. paint the picture. Paint all right? the picture. It's not like I was no, friends I'm, with him. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, saying that that, that is, that is interesting stuff. That we is important like, stuff. Back then, all you had to do was play a show with our band, and you just went on to fame and fortune. It was really fantastic for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fantastic for a lot of people that weren't us. Yeah, so what, exactly. what, what do you think kept you back? Uh, we were the oh, record labels. Not, just the nah, scene man, we, was we, bullshit. We were on uh, we were on the the other record label in uh, Seattle, CZ Records. Um, there were, you know, there was sub pop, obviously. Right, right, right. And then the guy from uh, uh, Skin Yard, the bass player Daniel House, he started a record label called CZ, and it was more, uh, more eclectic. And we, okay. were, we were like a prog punk band, so we didn't fit into that sound at all. Okay. So, you know, we were we were doing something different. What? So explain different. What do you mean you were doing something different? Yeah, give me give me some idea without without like. Actually, being able to listen to the music right here in front of me, I explain what made you guys different. Uh, the, the those guys were like I was a fan of that band before I ever got in it, and they were just really. So they good. existed before you got they in did. it. How they old were you when did. you joined that band? Eighteen, maybe. My name is what it was called. Yeah, and that was the first band you joined. That well, no, I was in some you know punk rock bands before. Let's that. start from the beginning. What what? All right, Bob's band. That was the first one. Bob's, Bob's band. Bob's band, yep. There was a guy, uh, uh, an upperclassman in my high school, and he hated me. His name was Bob Williamson, and he was just, he was brutal to me. Um, and so <laughs> a friend of mine and I, we started Bob's band. We did a show at the school. We put You his, called it we, Bob's we band? Because he was in a band, because he was in a band. And we put a, we put his face on a poster. We put uh, Bob's band, recapture the grandeur, and we did a show. And, uh, yeah, we just out of the gates. You just named your band after a guy that you didn't like? <laughs> hey, he started it. <laughs> he didn't like me. So. I hate this fucking uh, guy. No, he was a motherfucker, man. Like, <sighs> he, he really, and now now I've kind of, I've talked to him since then and he, he either is denying it or doesn't remember it that way or whatever, but like. Oh, of yeah, course not. Yeah, he savaged me. Oh, of, of, of course not. It was man. early. Um, Everybody is a is a dragon in somebody's story and a and a knight in another, you know? 
So anyway, Bob's band was the first Bob's one. Bob's band, okay. Yeah. Then uh, then there was uh, there was a hardcore band after that, which fuck man, I can't even remember the name of it now. So you're talking. So when you're saying hardcore, you're saying like hardcore like, when it was going on, like. Like, like in the '90s, like no, 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 like late, the '80s, late. So you're talking about like like punk rock, like hardcore. what they talk not, about in American not, hardcore, not, like Black Flag, yeah, Minor not, Threat, not like. Snapcase hardcore. Holy I'm talking shit. about like you know Orange County. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. Um, and this is in the Pacific stuff. Northwest. This, this is, is where Pacific you Pacific Northwest. Yes. Okay. So and then uh, and then so yeah, but I was friends with the guitar player from my name. We were best friends and. Uh, and uh, eventually I ended up joining. I was in it for a while. They were really good. I fucking sucked at the time. I was What a was your main singer. instrument at that singing. time? Oh, you were singing. singing. Yeah, okay. I was just singing. So this is before you even played guitar? or, or I mean, I, pl- I hacked around on a guitar, but like, right. I wasn't good at it. Um, right. You you were just kind of like a, what, a wild, weird, intense guy, and so people let you front no, their band? No, I was a little, uh, yeah, well, I, I would freak out when I played, you know, and spastic. And so they were like, hey, it'd be funny if that guy was in front of our good music. You know what I mean? Like, like that, what's his name from Midnight good. Oil? Yeah, like, that could I, look good. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was in it for a while. They kicked me out because I sucked. Uh, right. Then they asked me back a while later, and then we got signed to CZ, and we started putting out records and touring and stuff. So Oh, shit. Can't, like, can we still find your stuff today if we went looking you for can it? Can find, we find my name you can find on CZ stuff. Records? You can find some stuff out there. Um, can't yeah, fi- you can't find the movie you were in. You were in a movie. <laughs> what movie were you in? No, he's. he's, he's were you in an adult film? <laughs> no, he's giving me the. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Don't fuck with me, Braden. Or this will take a oh, diabolical turn. No, let's keep with music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming back to the movie. Fine, we can come back later. But uh, making a note but, here. Oh Jesus Christ! Abe's porn. Uh, it's not a porn. It's a terrible, terrible film. Uh, anyway, somebody will um, be able to find it. I can't. Um, oh, if you thank God, have you IMDb it? Look, 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 okay, on, let's keep music. Yeah, he yeah, has an IMDb page. You guys are fucking stoners. <laughs> That's the problem. This is just going everywhere. He has an IMDb page for sure. No, no. Yeah, you do. Well, I'm gonna go delete it then. And, and, I and, and by the way, the, I should not. The, the stoner meandering is what gives this I show know, charm. I'm fucking by with the you way, guys. I'm fucking with you guys. Uh, and believe me, I smoke my share of pot. All right, go, I go just, back I, and I, listen I got to rid all mine. I did all mine early. All right, you know, I, I I feel you on that. I feel you on that. So, are you completely sober now? I am. Yes. Are you? Cool. Yeah. Right on. It's been right a while. On. So, okay. After my name, what so, happened? After my name. Uh, and the thing with my name was we uh, we opened for a bunch of bands, like I said, that went on to fame and fortune. <laughs> and during the course of that, uh, uh, we uh, we played with uh, all the, the descendants right. guys, and uh, and they really liked us. And so uh, we just it worked out great where we got signed, we put out our first record, and they took us on tour a couple wow. times around the country. Wow. And uh, so that you went was, on to, you went on tour with all a couple times around the whole country, a couple times around the entire country. Yeah. yeah. It was, and then what happened? Uh, and then um, so my name ended up putting out three records. Um, the last one we did here in Colorado up at the Blasting Room, like before they had like when it was just like a in an empty room, basically. Right. When they had a Mackie, cheap ass Mackie board. Right. Uh, for the main board. And um you know, we went and we played a showcase in L.A. We, you know, we were flirted with some major labels a little bit because they were signing everyone and their brother at right. that point. Uh, we got offered a development deal from Capital, and we turned it down because we're geniuses. And we were like, oh, we could do better than that. Um, <laughs> and so we turned that down, and then soon after that, we uh, broke up. So Did, There just wasn't enough momentum going to keep you guys interested? or uh, I don't – yeah, I guess I guess we just kind of run the course, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and uh, we'd had some members go and come a little bit here and there. Right. Um, that'll take the steam out of it a little bit. So, yeah. So anyway, when I uh, uh, when that band got over, I started um, and I was just a singer in that band. Um, but I started playing more guitar towards the end. And actually, on the last record, I wrote a couple of the songs. And um, and so once the band broke up, I just started writing songs. Came out to Colorado um, because the Descendants guys were out here with their studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just said, hey, I got some songs. And they were like, come out, record them. We'll play on them. And so I came out. I did a demo. And then I put a band together from that. And what that band was, was that? That was Wretch Like Me. That was Wretch Like Me. Yep. And so okay. then, and then they, started, they started. I didn't know you were in Wretch Like Me. Yeah, Bill and those guys started a record label and put our records out. And I worked at the label. And so, yeah. That wow. Band, that band put out three records, and that seems to be the thing. Put out three records, break up. <laughs> that seems to be the... Well, uh, isn't it like the the widely held opinion that like a band's first three records are the only ones that are worth a shit, and then you got to say it in that voice, by the way. Yeah, you do. And, <laughs> it's just a serious opinion voice. It's just like the first three... <laughs> maybe first four albums that they <laughs> maybe, did. If they're maybe. Maybe. And then maybe like t- 10 years later with their comeback album, they might do one good one. There's some pretty good stuff. So- you know what? This reminds me of their old school stuff. <laughs> exactly. Unless we're talking jazz projects, and then it takes like until four to catch your stride. It takes until 40 yeah. to catch your stride, yeah. I think <laughs> is how it works with jazz projects. Fair enough. So, okay, so then what happens with Wretch Like Me? Like, how's that? So how's we that? toured a bunch. We put records out. We, uh, I don't know, tried to live as musicians and uh, eventually it imploded and, <laughs> and then, then it fell apart and then, I, and then I got married and I uh, I went back to college and I had a couple kids and um, just played music on the side for fun nice so yeah and then uh, got into Joy Subtraction started that band right with, with Brian and uh, and Dave the Hangman's bass player Brian Polk um, who also right. plays in um, um Simulators. So it now is is Joy Subtraction doing anything yeah. now? Yeah, we're playing. We're doing three shows this weekend, this coming weekend, as a matter of fact. You guys of are that. doing three shows this week. So what are your active projects right now? Just that, just Joy Subtraction, just and, Joy Subtraction. And Yeah, cool. and it kind of fluctuates back and forth um, with how busy each one is. The the thing that I that I was most that I found most striking when watching you guys because uh, you know I'm. I'm at the front of Mutiny. For the people who haven't listened to our description of the of the show that we played with these guys previously, um, really it was maybe 20 people in a closed bookstore just hanging out, smoking pot, really very late at night. <laughs> like, you guys didn't even start playing until midnight, and it's during 420 weekend, so people are high and a little bit drunk, and it's... and. And I was doing kind of what I normally do before we play, which is doing all the warm-up stuff that I do and doing all the pre-show do do? stuff. Hey, hang on. Let's talk about that. Um, well, I... Do you do physical? like? So I warm up with... Um, I, I usually like get... Like karate? Cha- while I'm getting... Cha- yeah, a little <laughs> bit. A little bit. While I'm getting changed into whatever my stage costume is for the night, um, I go through... The vocal warm-ups from the Zen of Screaming. Do you okay. know what the Zen yeah, of Screaming yeah, yeah. is? I do. I totally do. So I do the you bari- do all that, huh? I do the baritone and the tenor Kick, warm-ups for Kick the ass. Zen of Screaming, which is pretty much my entire range. So it go. So I. I knew there was a reason you guys kicked ass. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So I do. I do. I I work my voice, and then a lot of times if. 
if I'm at my best, if I'm functioning at, at, at my optimal level of professionalism, I will, you know, take a little time to reflect on the things in life that are important to me. Uh, I'll take a little time to reflect on what I'm grateful for. I'll take a little time to sort of visualize the way I want the show to go. I'll take a little time to call up, uh, call up resources, you know, emotional states and whatnot. We never do any of that stuff. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. I masturbate before every show. <laughs> it is just jerking off, really. But uh, no, uh, man, that's deep. But that's... if I if I don't, but if I don't have a uh, a green room or uh, actually that night specifically, I had hey, a... the whole city was a green room, <laughs> dude. So that well, and on that that night, there's a friend of ours who comes to every one of our shows. Um, we've had him on the show before, Joey Klontz, aka Farmer Joe. He runs a trim, uh, runs a grow op, and his he brings us bags of weed at every show that we play. Every single show he shows up with a bag of weed, and then his mom works for him making edibles. So he also brings a bag of edibles that Granny has made. He came that night, gave me a bunch of weed, gave me a bunch of edibles. And one of the things he gave me is he gave me some ice cream, which I then had made into an affogato there at Mutiny. You made it for I me, Brain. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I got way too high and way too in my head and just left and started walking around the neighborhood. You know, sometimes you need to get out of your head and into your body. And so I had to go move, I had to breathe, I had to go get a slice of pizza. I stopped into Three Kings to see what was going on in there. And when I came back, you guys had started and my drummer Ty was like, you gotta go check these guys out. These guys are awesome. So I came in and I sat down and watched you guys and what I was most stricken by, to go back to the original, uh, the original point that um, I was gonna bring up is just, how how great your songwriting was and how great um how tight you guys were at at executing it 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 seemed like at at no point were you guys uncertain about what you were presenting to the audience it 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 all came off as being this this very comprehensive um that this very well-oiled machine well, thanks, man. Yeah, no, it, it, it was it was really incredible. All the the vocal stuff, like the way you guys had your vocal arrangements dialed in, um, just the, the the structure of the songs. Dude, the, to be honest, like most of that's Braden. Is it, now, do you do most of the writing for the band, Braden? I, I wouldn't say that. Like, it, I I think it's very cooperative. Um, I do a lot of the initial orchestration, but by the time we work it into the final song it's it's been collaborated on so much that i don't even like to take full credit for it well let's talk point. about that let's talk and about that Abe process does pretty much all of the lyricism so 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 how do, how does the process go how does hangman's hymnal go from zero clean slate blank page to a completed song what does that process look like um, we've done it a couple of ways. The the most success I've had is when I get like one of the little brain babies all kind of drum it into garage band right. on a variety of instruments and then 
play recordings for them, and then we kind of so you cocked it. Do you use the, the plugins the on that, or do you go in and you you play a bunch of stuff that you've got mic'd up at your at uh, home? A, a mix of the two. Okay, a combination. That's such a great tool for being able to communicate ideas tool. to people. It's it's a wonderful tool for being able to like take something out of your brain and easily put it right. into uh, an orchestration that I don't have to like fully write out charts or right. write out chords and I can just kind of, hey, learn this, play this, let's turn this into a thing. My heart goes out to anybody who writes charts. <laughs> in, in, it's tough. I found a couple of apps that are actually pretty awesome for it, but it's still a pain in the fucking ass. So you, re I, you read music? Do you guys both read music? I don't, but he does. Yeah, he's like Braden... Like every band has a driving force, right? Uh, and so is that? Would you say I that this say, is your band? Yeah. Would you say would, it's Braden's band? I would say band? it's Braden's band. It's Absolutely. my baby. Um, it's he started it's it and like project. He's but. you know about like when I first joined, uh, what three years ago now or something like that. Uh, I mean, I was a fan of the band before that. They had a fantastic singer before me, Zach, who was like just a Southern Baptist preacher type. So like right now, the material like half the lyrics are his and half are mine because I right. started writing on the new stuff. His stuff is all, you know, fire and brimstone and awesome, you know, right. gospel imagery and stuff like that. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, 16 Horsepower. Yeah, sure. Um, and I, I can't for the life of me remember the name of um, – I can't for the life of me remember the, the name of the main guy from 16 Horsepower who – but but he uh, – I got to work backstage for a Woven Hand show and he has like a cult following like right. my whole job was to keep his fanboys from coming backstage <laughs> and getting copies of his book signed and uh that southern gothic yeah type of style um the or or in denver we talk about the, like kind of what has been attributed to the denver sound has yes. been the 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 gothic cowboy yes. uh type of sound sure and slim country slim exactly and suddenly and right. 16 horsepower so when i joined that's like, exactly what i want people to hear so that's, that's what awesome these that that's, that's, that's what you awesome. were going and that's was that something what that you weren't for, particularly yeah. familiar with abe no i didn't know it at all um and when i joined like well first what happened was is uh zach left and then rossi left uh so their guitar player and their singer and right so i hit was rossi then zach i, I think i hit Dave up at a We've joint subtraction practice door. and right, just right. said, let me try out. I, I, I want to sing for this band. Let me sing for this band. And I was thinking like, because like I never played guitar in a band until Joy Subtraction. Um, right. Like I just was a singer and that's fun. Like, you know, it's right. like there's, you're not encumbered. You it's, it's a blast. Go all over the place. It's and a so, blast, but it's also, it, it, there, there's also kind of an inferiority complex behind it, you know, because it's like, I, I also hack my way through on guitar. I can play enough guitar to go, these are the chords that I think would sound best with my voice. I can play songs for my infant son who doesn't know any better. <laughs> but other than that... Well, that's how I felt, okay? But, right, but right. then out of necessity with Joyce Attraction, like I wanted to find another guitar player and do a four-piece and just sing. Right. Uh, but we couldn't. We didn't find anyone, and so eventually I just said, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And uh, not being and it not out being like, encumbered by the guitar is, is... I, it turned out like I just had been paying attention to my buddy Trevor, who was in my name and wretch like me uh, with me and uh, like my favorite guitar player of all time, like bar none. Like he just he was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I was just paying attention to him and I basically just, you know, do a, a shittier version of him. But it's good <laughs> enough to uh, <laughs> but it's you know, it's good enough to uh, to fool people, I guess, uh, so, which is cool. So anyway, like I asked, hey, let me try out. 
And they were like, I I wasn't even sure if they'd let me. And they were like, cool. But they said, bring your guitar. And so they fucking made me bring the guitar. So. Because because from for someone who doesn't know your background, and now that you tell me you were in Joy Subtraction, I remember you from putting on shows at Three Kings that Joy Subtraction was on. Because I was on, I was behind the bar or managing at you know for a lot of your shows, and um, now that you now that you're mentioning that it stands out. But content wise, lyrical content wise, Joy Subtraction and Hangman's Hymnal are pretty different. Very correct? different. So <laughs> so d- would correct. you would you say that that you have an ability to um, to to basically adopt to whatever style that you have environment you find some I mean, I don't, I don't put think, in. I don't think you could. I don't think I could get I into a salsa band and do and do like. Awesome, well, well, but. here's 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 the reason I asked. Do you think that Hangman's Hymnal, who's doing kind of the Denver sound, like Southern Gothic or I guess Plains Western Gothic sort of thing that that you guys do? It's an amalgam, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, just to like try and I mean try and put it in a box somehow yeah. for, for people who are listening who are if from Colorado if you're gonna Colorado, put me in a box that's the that's a good box, box to put for the 12 that's a pine people. box right there baby <laughs> that's the my pine box are, uh, yeah. right no um yeah, I, I I would say that. Uh, like, um, is I that just, something that you were? Is that con? I, I guess what I'm saying is that lyrical content that you were writing already. Is that something that came easily well, to you, you or thing, something you had to study? I'll tell you one thing. I'm a writer also, so I went to school for it and right. just you know published fiction and stuff right. like that. I kind of figured, um, but uh, so I I'm pretty versatile when it comes to writing right. in, in general. Um, and so if it's something that you know like I can get behind and feel like I'm a part of and not feel like I'm an imposter basically right uh, I can do a fairly decent job I would do, say do you th- do you think that what do you think he's humble <laughs> but I can give him a, a fragment of an idea that I have and he can cook it into a song and it's he's he's great at well know, what I, what I was gonna, transitioning lyrically for sure what I was gonna say Abe is that <laughs> I would, true, man. I true. would not have known that you haven't been in this band from the beginning. <laughs> I would not have known that it wasn't like hugely well, your. Well, that feels that's great because, yeah. like, you know, anytime you come into a, a thing that you know is already, of course, like, and Zach was so great, like, you know, I just I was hoping to uh, just get in there and hopefully do, you know, <laughs> hopefully pick up the baton. So let's to some extent. Let's so since before we dive a little more deeply into. The writing process, dive a little more deeply into how you do what you do. Braden, I'd like to know a little bit more about your background. And I would also like a hit of your vape pen if I could. You should definitely try this. It's that Willie's Reserve action. Oh, cool. Fucking right on. draws like a pencil. Those things uh, really hit, hit like a champ. Very nice. Well, while I'm hitting this, why don't you yeah. why don't you start into the beginning? Take it from the beginning of, yeah, of how you got into this. Maybe you can explain those tattoos, man. I go back to uh, four. I started playing piano when I was four. Uh, That's your primary instrument. That is my primary, yeah. Uh, Started banging around on the piano at four. My mom got me a guitar at five. I asked for a violin at eight. Actually, I specifically asked for a fiddle at eight. I wanted to be a fiddle player too. Yeah, I asked for a fiddle. My mom had a her her grandma, my great grandma. Owned a farm in Hall County in Turkey, Texas. Uh, the closest farm to their farm was the Wills family farm. The Lenore, fam- Lenore farm and the Wills farm were uh, neighboring farms. 
And uh, until he was 15, Bob Wills played barn dances Still at my great-grandma's barn. And that what? Was his, his first gig was in my great-grandma's barn, as the story goes. And I heard those what? stories. Grew up hearing those stories and asked my mom for a fiddle at eight. And I said it was because of that Bob Wills shit. And she uh, she made sure I got a fiddle like uh, two or three days later. And the rest is history in terms of my my love affair with the violin so i so i saw i saw a fiddle player at like a like a chuck wagon show that i you know my grandparents and my dad it, big country music fans but took me to some chuck wagon show and i thought the fiddle player was a rock star and i wanted to play the fiddle you know what i mean but when you're a kid growing up in the city that translates to violin and I got put in violin lessons mm-hmm. with some old lady in a basement and yep. where it smelled damp and it was uncomfortable, and I, I quit the violin. Actually, Rob Dog tr- and Brooke from Frontside 5 have the violin I grew up playing. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> they they nice. gave it to their daughter to play. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. So, so what is the difference for any parents listening out there who have a kid who is asking them to play a fiddle? What is the difference between a fiddle and a violin, like stylistically speaking? I mean, it's it's really a, in terms of style. There's there's the folk instrument, and then there's the classical instrument. Um, there are great fiddle teachers out there that specifically teach the style of old time Western fiddle or traditional Irish fiddle, or which is more of a rhythm instrument, Appalachian right? fiddle. Uh, it depends. I mean, it's a it's a melody instrument uh, across the board. It's, um, I mean. There's there's a lot of different approaches to the instrument, and by and large, in terms of the difference, violin is a classical instrument with a lot of staunch rigidity in terms of how you play it, what you play with right. it. Um, this is proper and, form. Yeah, and then fiddle know. is more of a it's a folk instrument. It's a, a an instrument for the people. Um, the joke is that if uh, the difference between a violin and a fiddle is that a fiddle has beer stains on it. You know? <laughs> right, um, right. Which mine definitely does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's but, the, it's it's the difference between Steve Vai and fucking BB yeah. King. Like I I studied classical violin under a teacher, one of those uh, basement scenarios. Uh, her husband played cello with the symphony, with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra, I believe. Right. And I did that uh, Colorado Youth Symphony Orchestra shit for. Um, I think twelve years of my childhood. So you're you are you are a classically trained. I'm classically trained, yeah. But then I also studied with uh, old time fiddle teacher uh, Chris Daring, who still teaches around town. Um, she's a, a fantastic like champion, world class uh, old time fiddle player. Um, and I took lessons from her for a couple of years, and she helped me kind of transition my brain from those. You know, switch gears from that staunch rigidity of the classical world to taking, you know, more soulful approach. Yeah, more, yeah, absolutely, and like putting putting more of you into it. You know, she was one of the the teachers that taught a lot of great fiddle players around town, and that, that more improvisation, around. right? Well, yeah, and, and improvisation is definitely something that I just you know learned on uh, across the board on a lot of different instruments right but you you start you started with the rules yeah and then learned how to break the rules exactly yeah 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 Yeah, it's a good way to go but it's well it 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 really it really shows up in your songwriting that was the tough part for sure it really shows up it really shows up in the playing and the songwriting and uh 
you know, I hope this doesn't come off cheeseball in any way, but your stage persona, like the way you guys present yourselves on stage, even in a relaxed environment like was at the, the Mutiny show, you guys... You had the expressions, you know, you had you had the pam- pantomime going, you had the sure. like, dude, I'm high as a kite at this time. <laughs> and I'm and I'm watching big. all of you guys one at a time just going. Dude, I'm glad that there were good thoughts going through your head because I saw you sitting there and <laughs> you had like I was a pretty s- blank like look, like a, <laughs> no, like no. a stricken like I was so uh happy with like I was so just like more than anything, I was surprised. You know, I was su- every once in a while, and I'm sure you saw this through years of touring. I'm sure you've seen it through years of touring. And 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 what other bands have you played in, by the way, Brandon? Um, a, a whole handful, none, none that have seen any level of success, really. Well, any names that I would Down know here in town. Dave and I played together for uh, uh, like eight years. With a little Irish punk band called oh, right. 66 Days. Yeah, we so played with you guys. We did a few yeah. gigs back in the day together. I think you were with... Uh, fourth Year Freshman. Fourth Year at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, which which is just is just ruckus pre-rebrand. Like, right. Which right. was... <laughs> which is, I mean, Dave, Dave and I have been in... Uh, I think that was our second band together. We've played in... Th- the like four or five together now he's kind of like my pocket bass player i just take him everywhere (laughs) right right you always need a bass player when you start a new project right like well i got this dude Uh, and dave rips and then his wife and then his wife gets fucking mad at me for putting his he's he's a really good bass player he's he's, yeah he's awesome he he, uh he naturally plays with three fingers i don't know if you notice that I yeah. noticed that everybody in your fucking band can yeah, he play. Does, he does the... And I I had really looked forward to playing a show at 60% for that event. I'm like, <laughs> if we're playing at midnight in the back of Mutiny, I'm not private, private, cost, private event thing. I'm going t-shirt and jeans. I'm going to crack a lot of stupid jokes. I'm going to fucking... We're going to play a set list of stuff that we might not even be able to play all that well. Like, we're going to go and just, like, we're 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 going to go in with lowered expectations. And then I watched you guys play, and I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure you guys both know from years of playing and, and, and playing with other bands how rare it is to see a band at at our level of of independence and and uh what's what's the word obscurity you know <laughs> that's the word that's <laughs> that exactly the word, the word. Uh, uh, to see other bands at our level and to see a band that just like impresses you so much that you're surprised that they're there you know what i mean it's like, a great feeling it's a fantastic it's a great feeling. feeling and yet that's that's how we ended up with tony our our guitar player so we saw his band Road Crew in Chicago before he was even 21 years old. I think it was before he was even 18. And we saw them in some little corner dive bar in fucking Chicago. And we were like, who the fuck is this band? And 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 how are they just playing some neighborhood bar in Chicago? And what are we doing on tour? And we should cancel the whole tour and go back home and learn to play like those guys. You know what I mean? Yep. Like seeing you guys play 
hearing the way you guys arranged your songs, hearing the way that you executed each one so, um, man, was such uh, so competently. You know, it was was very, very. Uh, so if I looked blank standing in front or sitting in front of the stage watching this, <laughs> because the the sheer concentration that I had on watching you guys play, I couldn't operate my physical body. At well, the that's time. awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. And, and I'm not being hyperbolic in saying that it was re- it was really quite quite a, a a thing to be there for. And um, so so let's go let's go back to to uh, let's go back to to the fiddle and to doing your crossover out of out of classical music into into learning to play with your soul. Tell me a little bit more about what happened after that. Well, I mean, I played on the I think it was when I was like 18, 19 when I was studying with Chris, I played on the like old time fiddle circuit and I played uh, a hand doing chuck wagon shows like doing, I might have seen like you little, doing like the little competition shows in like fucking beater towns like Farmington and like Farmington like, New Mexico yeah, and Gallup like the little yeah. fucking four corner towns oh, yeah. there's nothing going on in those little towns you know in the in the summertime and they do like little pop up fiddle contests and yeah 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 played a whole fucking handful of those and I didn't like the idea of like competing against other musicians or like stacking your talents against another. What didn't you like about but, it? Well, I mean, it just that that doesn't that doesn't equate to the spirit of it's music. capitalistic, man. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, that just <laughs> see, but it's always got to be about the man with you. Th- this is where yeah, I'm going to argue with you on that. And 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 just a quick aside, this is where I'm going to argue with you about that. And it and, and it's because it relates to what I was just talking about with you guys and what I was just talking about with with our story of meeting Tony. I feel that a healthy spirit of competition. I'm fucking well, around. I, I think was, you're that's right. What yeah, it was, you know, I didn't like the idea of it, but it made me better. It, it, it absolutely, it definitely makes you cut my and I've teeth definitely and had those feelings with certain bands. Certain, like you, you just have it. You're like, I want to, I want to do as well. There's, as that guy there's that marriage. Them. There's that, there's that conflation of, of. At admiration and envy. Yes, exactly. You know it's what a, I'm it's saying? It's a perfect concoction to motivate you. You see some band and it like when you see a band that is so good that it sends you into a depression, <laughs> you know, then the next step to get out of that depression is either to just to quit, kill yourself yeah, to either quit, quit or, or to get go and and go, okay, what is this guy doing right? What would I do differently, and how can I make steps towards, you know, adopting the things that that guy does that I want to do? You know what I mean? Like, yep. like, how can I absorb this person's superpower, and how can I become this person's friend so I can be exposed <laughs> to the 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 makings of their superpower more often? You know what I mean? And it like, it creates it creates a thriving scene, and it creates better musicians. You I know? think you're right. You know. So, so you're doing the competitions, and you don't really like the competition side of it, but it's making you better. And you're it how old? Eighteen. That, and that's that's a different yeah, dynamic like 18, from like 19, you know healthy time, healthy competition with bands, whereas you know up against actual competition. Like, did you right? have numbers that's, strapped to you and stuff like oh, that? Yeah, like you were like, running the Boston yeah. Marathon? No, not not necessarily like that. But like there were there were trophies to it and like rankings, like the national old time fiddle contest. Did you dress in up? Weezer, Idaho. 
Uh, I mean, it was encouraged to dress Western. Were you were you one of those <laughs> kids that we see with like the the cowboy hat and the the fringe and and yeah. the the boots? Like oh, never had... never that cheesy. No, no. I was I mean, if anything. This I was wasn't wear, Farmington. If anything, I would wear like authentic ranch wear, but no, no. <laughs> authentic. The the uh, picture in my head is just you know from, you know like dirty no, from the, was... from earlier in the day when he was wrangling. <laughs> right, right. I was I was like a little fringe punk kid fucking competing on fiddle in like t-shirts no and jeans. No fucking way. Really? With with like a really badass teacher and her troop behind me and uh we would always take like first, second and third in the little like fucking pop so, up contest and shit. And then well, that you'd sounds go up horrible to, for you, man. Then you'd that go up just... to, but no, you'd go up to Weezer, Idaho for the national old time, like the, the big leagues of, of com- competition fiddle and play against like the, the Sam Bushes and Mark O'Connors and shit and get your fucking ass handed to you. And that's when like the, the competition side really sucked. Cause <laughs> even if you were good and you knew you were good and you had saw it, like you'd, you'd place in like the fucking like, hundreds to hundred and thirties of, of fiddle players and just right. get your ass kicked by right. all these. And you like, get to see where you hits. sit in the hierarchy right yeah, there in yeah, front of God and everybody. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where like the, all the, the great fiddle players that go on to form bands and play in bands all come from like, uh, they, they all get their start in that, that, that competition circuit. Like, so then what, so, so did it just become frustrating at a certain point and you left that life? No, or? it's just like, I, I felt like I left that life behind. I, I left that life behind. I quit Hillbilly man. Idol. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it anymore. <laughs> oh my God. We got to fucking make that show now. Jesus. Welcome <laughs> back to Hillbilly Idol. Banjos only. How many teeth does he have? It's amazing he can blow that horn with that many teeth. I'm Jim Bob Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Okay, so uh, so what No, I just it was it was a tool for a while um that that I felt like I kind of just not necessarily outgrew, but I got what I needed from it. Right. And you of, wanted to go do other things. Yeah, just uh Right. There there was pursue, there was pursue other pastures, yeah. I, I put music aside for for a period of time as well, and like in favor of what I I was uh, trying to be a chef. I was fucking around in kitchens for a long time. Oh no way! Yeah. Do you still chef it up at all? Oh no no no! I hate it. Did you leave that <laughs> life behind? I left that life behind. <laughs> Did you get burnt out? Yeah, you could say that. You could say yeah. that for sure. So so you left music. Did, did you continue to? play just for fun or in your spare time when you were doing no that's actually what what got me out of working in kitchens and out of chefing is i was working hard hours and beating my hands up so much that i i couldn't play and and that just was that a big part of what pulled you out of it my heart because i have to play like it's it's a right right so yeah that definitely got me out of like my professional mindset completely and and put me in like this well, I'm just going to focus on music and do whatever bullshit service industry job I have to to pay the bills. So what was the decision that you made at that point? Um, I think I started playing with the first band that, that I played with, Dave. Um, it was like a an Irish folk punk band called Poaching. I, I left the job I was working to go on tour with those guys. 
That sounds really familiar. That po- was poaching was a Denver thing for a shit shit long time. Okay, there were that uh, kind of pirate punk Irish band. That cool. Played the 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 drummer was a douchebag. He, <laughs> he went through he went through like thirty fucking Denver musicians, and a whole fucking bunch of us know each other from having played with poaching and like, oh, you played in poaching. Yeah, you played in poaching? Yeah, Blocks and Asshole. Yeah. And then, and then that's how the conversation goes. It was just one of those revolving door bands. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which Hangman's is kind of turning into because I think I'm the, I'm the asshole now. <laughs> <laughs> so what Full makes you, circle. So what makes you guys an asshole? So, so I've, I've noticed you guys break each other's balls a lot. Yeah, But sure. it like... <laughs> what makes what makes you the asshole that and I'm gonna ask you in a minute what <laughs> makes him the asshole. Oh, I'll tell I'm, you what I'm a bit pedantic. Pedantic in what way? Um I'm I'm very demanding in terms of like what 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 like if the if the idea exists in my head and it doesn't sound like it exists in my head, then I get really pissed off. Right, right, right. And um I'm big about kind like, of a perfectionist. I'm big about yeah, and I'm big about dynamics and like using do you conduct rehearsal? To, um, I have the best. <laughs> that like, hasn't gone well. Is it less? Is it less of a committee type of thing and a more of like, like how how? Um, it's, it's fairly egalitarian. It's for, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Except except like when he has a vision though. Yeah. Yeah. You you, you oh, make, oh. he makes sure it gets orchestrated. <laughs> I don't think sure. there's anything wrong with advocating for your ideas. No, Dude, no. You no, need sure. you need uh, momentum. Well, I mean in that's a band. why we're still together. That's why we still have momentum and we're still right. Still putting putting. You know, I I I, th- I think that. what keeps bands together, and this is just from my experience, is. I think what keeps bands together is it's like there definitely has to be a driving force. There definitely has to be someone who steers the ship. I'm a healthy degree of asshole. He's got to, you know, that that person has to listen to everyone they work with as though they know something that he does not know. You know, and ideally and, that would be good. And right? and the well, <laughs> and and the relationship, the friendship, the humor has to be a priority. Yes, yeah. um, the humor for sure. So a- so, Abe, what would you say makes Brain an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Brain's an asshole. I really don't. You don't. You I, seem you seem like a pretty be, agreeable he, dude. He can be. Uh, like uh, I'll tell you what, the alcohol. <laughs> that's what makes Brain an well, asshole. Al- <laughs> alcohol makes everyone that's, an asshole. That's why I put it away. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like this, so, I mean, he's, you know, it's, it's, uh, he has very particular views on how he wants things to go. For me, it was easy cause I'm coming into it. I've never played this kind of music before. So it's not like I want to be, almost the, I don't want to be the driving force. Like, you know what at, I mean? At like, sometimes it's easier to come into a band that somebody else is running because, totally. because you have, you have complete plausible deniability Absolutely. you know you get to go hey man i just work here you know like <laughs> yeah. i i just do what that guy <laughs> tells me to do if the posters aren't made on time if this person isn't contacted like if 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 this show isn't advanced if this recording session isn't set up that's that guy's thing yes you know and it's it, it can be annoying when somebody else is the band dad and you uh happy father's day to all our band dads out there by the way um, it can be frustrated when it affects you adversely. Like if you show up and and you've got to sleep in a parking lot somewhere because some booking was done incorrectly. But sure. man, it can be. 
I'd almost take that in exchange for what goes into uh, being the band dad. I've been I've been the band dad, and yeah, it's, so it's nice to not be that. But I I do feel like um, one cool thing is I was uh, I, joining the band. I was just like they hadn't recorded anything. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, really? What are, what are you guys doing? Well, that was why it was such a benefit to, what you guys, to what bring you, guys you doing? on board because so, I knew that you had the hookup with the blasting. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I immediately so was what, like, what, what would you what would you say prevented you guys from? That level of, I mean, I'll just say seriousness for lack well, of a better we word. Had, we had actually recorded um, three times, and it was a matter of the revolving door. Like we would get almost done with the recording, and then one or two Lose people somebody. would leave, or we would have to say, "Hey, man." And what would I that think, do to the recording process? Uh, is <laughs> derail it? Just oh, it would just completely derail it because we would like in. In one scenario, uh, I'm just curious how it would completely well, derail. Well, it. in the first scenario, the dude that did the recording for us just like moonlight split town and took off with all his recordings. No and everything. way! And so we were like halfway through. So this was mostly working with it. like smaller, yeah, operations. Yeah, yeah then. for sure. Um, and then it was yeah, no, it just it just got derailed a handful of times. We ended up scrapping one of the like three or four song recordings that we did because it just, I felt like it misrepresented us. Um, right. And then we lost Zach as the singer. He ended up moving down to Florida. That's the hard thing. Stuff. Almost every recording. He's back now. Here. He's back yeah. now. He Zach's does a, back. He's Dow, got a killer band. Dow Thurston and the Dirt Bags. Yeah, it's cool. Is, is Zach's new project. Um, and, but yeah, he went down to Florida and we lost him. And, that almost killed Hangman's. We were booked to play a couple of festivals, and we had some of the best momentum we had yet, and then just got another sidetrack derail from losing the best singer. That so we hired had. guns were never were never an option. Um, like we had entertained um, auditioning a handful of other singers, but then Abe just came came to the came a knocking at the right time and. We knew he had connections for for recording, and that was definitely one of the one of the reasons. <laughs> Great, hey, hey man, everybody's got a superpower. No, it was it's it like, was, hey, let's go fucking it record was, uh, these songs. It was good because I just came in and like I'd been doing. I mean, fuck, I recorded like I don't even know how many albums up there with those guys, and, right? And in various places like before they had the blasting room, um, and so I was just used to doing like where you had a week. To do your record, right? You know that what I mean? stu- you that in, studio grew you up record, with you. You, you do- know, it grew up with you. You were a kid when you recorded there for the first time, when it was just an empty room. So it was never this like gigantic, like I don't I, like it it, it. it it didn't have the iconic status for you when you first went in there. Correct? Well, I don't know because those guys were. I mean, we were huge Descendants fans before right. we met those dudes. Right. Like, so I mean, they've and Black Flag. Obviously, Bill was in Black Flag. Like, right. I mean, you know, they were they're heroes for sure right. to us. So they they're had, folk legends. They for had sure. <laughs> they had iconic status, but yeah, I mean, the studio itself. They used to be a uh, Bill and Stefan used to be a tag team production team right. basically and they would record out of wherever like the second my name record we did that they produced and engineered it um and recorded it and we did that in kansas city at, at a small studio there right um and then the third my name record we did uh at the blasting room because they had finally settled down and opened it up with- you, you know it's it seems like 
But but to the point though is like right, when right. these guys, I was just like, why don't you have a recording? Uh, right. Like let's go fucking do this. Uh, because do you it's think easy. you were overly critical of records? But when when you decided not to put them out, do you think you had recordings that? Like, have you ever, Abe, have you ever heard any of the old Hangman's recordings? I've not. No, I begged him for it. it. Was, you oh, did, shit. No one, no one. <laughs> how much of it do you think is you being a perfectionist? It and was, how much do you think, shit. how much do you think, it, because I'll tell you, well, I've never put out anything that I feel is an appropriate representation. Well, there's of, always, there's always regret and there's always, I wish it was better. But like, I just knew going in there that we would get a good representation because Jason Livermore, the the he was in Wretch Like Me with me, the right. drummer, and now he's like the you know him and Bill are the main dudes up right. there. Right, uh, he he would do it. I knew he, he got. Would, it. I knew he would record it. But it wasn't even that. It was just he's so good at his job that I just was like, we just we'll put this in his hands and he'll make it sound great. What's difficult with producers and engineers is finding someone who can help you realize the overall sound that you're going for. You know, somebody who can it, it, like. Somebody who can who can capture the complete essence of the band, not just the songs, because uh, you get a lot of you get a lot of producers who they bring you in and they go, well, this is the way it would technically sound good right. if I run everything through these amps and these compressors and I give the the guitars these effects and characteristics and I give the vocals these effects and characteristics without taking the time to really understand what the the overall vibe you're going for. And I feel like someone like Jason Livermore is going to be more apt to be able to help you realize the idea that you're trying to create. Because they're hard things to even yeah. assign language to. Yeah, I mean, I, I and just knowing, like working with him for so long, I just, I knew it would, I knew it would work out. And also the other thing is, is like, I mean, he does a lot of rock records. He does a lot of punk records, but I knew this would be fun for him. You know right. what I mean? Because it's a bunch of different it instrumentation. Depart- and some of the instrumentation he'd never done before. I don't think he'd ever done a banjo before. You know what I mean? I don't know that he'd done a fiddle before. So it was, speaking, it was pretty Speaking awesome. of your banjo player, he's my favorite guy in the band. Collins he's, is the shit. Collins my favorite character in the band. He's good. Like, Ed, especially, with, he does all the, the death metal vocals. The evil. Yeah. yeah, he does the evil all stuff. All the evil which stuff, which is... Ah, that's that's tasty stuff, man. Yeah, I was delighted when I when I realized that that was going. We on. like to write our set list on his back. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you're you're in kind of a revolving door, kind of several different bands. You're you're in a revolving door of of musicians. You're you're kind of just banging around in the scene, trying to find the right fit. What happens next? Pretty much. Um. I mean, after, I came in. I saved after, the yeah. fucking day, man. That's what happened next. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I you think meet, I, I think I called him humble earlier. I spoke. You meet, so you meet Abe. Soon. You meet Abe. He's spoke not only is he a great, not only is he a great frontman and a good fit, but he also has the superpower of having a, a lifetime of network, you know, of network contacts. And that part's legit. The, it, no, sure. I mean, dude, hey, it's a superpower being able to talk to people. Dude, Everybody absolutely. in the band's 30, got something. When you play I music for thirty-five years. Like you're you, gonna bump you into make some, some friendships. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you make relationships, and it's the, we we talk all the time on this show. We talk about that being like 
fucking this right paramount here is almost dude, like that being me, so. yeah right dude i mean i'm so glad he likes to talk to people <laughs> can you imagine if it was just I you fucking and me? hate people <laughs> <laughs> but you're in the service industry oh but you work at a record store so you're supposed to hate people yeah it works you you, you work coffee a, yeah, yeah you I work get, at a I business get, that sells all the things I that typically care. hire people who it, are who awful people. customer yeah, service exactly. like like comic store to, uh, Jack store record store coffee shop yeah it's perfect music venue it's like perfect. that is like that is the five-pointed star of snarkiness my friend yeah. it's the, it's there's the, a hard, it's disdain there's a hard times article. what it is <laughs> there's a hard times article recently it was a shitty shitty bookstore also shitty record store shitty coffee shop <laughs> it's fucking perfect so so abe comes in record. abe um, comes yeah, in saves the abe, day abe saves the day and so, so uh, you know what? Uh, that that's putting we it too strong. Really but fucking, what I did do is I, I we did a really I, fucking cool recording up the some, blasting. Did some momentum. Provided some yeah, momentum. Right, right. It was some wind in the sails. So what? What? Tell me about some of the high points of of recording up there with uh, with Jason and and was Bill involved in it too or no? You, Bill was in uh, so much as he came and farted in the yeah. tracking room yeah. a couple of times. <laughs> he came in and <laughs> fucked with us a little bit here and there, but uh, right, right, but yeah, no, it was mostly legit, Jason because we cropped us today. It's kind of like he's just doing it like you know as a favor kind of. So it's right, you know, right. We right. go in there when there's a when there's a hole in the schedule and like right. you know what I mean. So right, right. It's like kind of like going to your buddy who gets you a good deal on tattoos yeah and, and it just happens yeah. to be if your buddy is like one of the best tattoo artists yeah in he's the, like, in the state he's basically. like i got some open time if yeah. you want to come in today and jam you know whatever so uh so then tell me about the experience <laughs> recording at the blasting room um that is awesome what, are, what are you most proud of of that experience <laughs> um i mean well, it was three years ago, so. <laughs> Still, I mean, it, it sounds like it's a significant tough, it's chapter. To it's about to come out. <laughs> three years ago, so it's tough to recall. It is about to, to finally come out, yeah. We'll talk about that. Do you guys have any rough mixes uh, of it? That we, we, have, we have final mixes. We, we do, we yeah. have, Can we, we listen to some mastered, stuff? Yeah, we can, we totally. can listen to some stuff. We, we can? can? Whatever you yeah. want, yeah. yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. When we take a break, we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna listen. some stuff. As a matter of fact, how long have we been yapping for? Anybody know? A while here. What's uh? We've got four thirty. It's it's four thirty. All right. We're like halfway through, right? Okay, cool. So yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back. We're gonna we're gonna learn some more about what has happened over the last three years since you guys have worked on this record. Sounds good. And we're gonna listen to some of the new Hangman's Hymnal record. And don't feel bad, man. Our new record is is going on five years now. Like <laughs> there were some there were some mitigating circumstances, yeah. but yeah, it, it it's takes, gonna be great to get it out. It takes so sure. fucking long. No, we finally a, we finally hooked up with the right people the to put it out. Points of the recording process. I I have all that because I'm the I'm the sober guy. <laughs> what wait what is that? I said I I got all those. I'm the sober guy. So the I the, the, the five points shit. of the recording. The process. fine points. Oh, the fine points. Yeah. I thought you had like some like Tony the Robbins five top manifest. Five yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, here's, here's how you, the here's, five ways that you make an album. Here's one. How, here's how you awaken the musical giant within. Okay. <laughs> Step, Step one. Step one. What you're gonna do is play an instrument. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's take a quick yeah. break, All and right, then we're gonna come back.
want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First and foremost, Matula Plumbing. Matula! Des Plaines, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List Super Service Award winner back in 2011, the only year that mattered. After that, you know, the 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 Academy of Angie's List Awards got all political and, and, you know, people started buying their way into getting that award. It doesn't matter after 2011. Back in 2011, it meant something. And that's when Jerry Matula got it because he'll wear the booties for you. Matula Plumbing, Des Plaines, Illinois. Tell Jerry the boys sent you. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios here in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Hourly rehearsal rental spaces with equipment provided. Rocket Space. You ain't got to carry shit. Do you guys ever rehearse at Rocket Space? Yes, they we do. They fulfill our needs. Yeah, for man. Sure. Yeah, it's a good do. space. Rocket Space is the shit. The Kates are rad. Everybody who runs that place. There's a guy who works there named Jason Bonham, and he is super nice. And he is not with... Like he's not the one you're thinking. of? He's not the Jason Bonham you're thinking of. Like he's this just super sweet, friendly, like, like they, amicable dude. They you even know? provide me amicable with keys dude. to use to rehearse with. Like I, I literally have to bring nothing but my guitar and my fiddle to practice. There you could probably time. even show up without pants, <laughs> and they'd be okay with it. Um, yeah, they'd be like, just stay in the room if you can. But they probably wouldn't even notice. They'd just be like, don't break the equipment. And if you do, leave a note or something. Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado. Solar-powered, state-of-the-art audio and actually video production studio nestled in the Shadow or Black Mountain region of Evergreen. I can't remember which one it is actually called, but it's pretty badass. Uh, Brad is one of those what I would call producing engineers who helps you realize your vision and uh, Jenny runs the behind the scenes of that place and uh, makes a nice little nice little home for bands that come up there and stay with them. It's it's like it's like doing the Caribou Ranch on a budget. It is an amazing place. Have you guys ever been up to Evergroove before? I have not. I, have I think not, no. e- even though you guys have like a super sweet hookup at at the Blasting Room, you should just go take a tour of Evergroove. I'd it's, love to check it out. It's a beautiful place. Uh, the Nug Nation Studio. Here in uh, Denver, Colorado is where we record the motherfucking podcast and a bunch of other content, including our uh, series, The Nug Nation. You can check it out on thenugnation.com and join those wacky nugs in their crazy adventures through the town of Nugville. Uh, be sure to check out our latest collaboration with the one and only Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes, that's a real thing that we did. Look up. Uh, you're going to want to look up Angel in My Pocket by uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. On YouTube, um, and and you can see what I'm talking about. It's really funny. I took these guys on a tour of the studio. What'd you guys think? I was blown away, oh, man. Sweet spot. There's an ambulance in the garage there for is, some reason. There is an ambulance. I have no idea where it came from. I, re- I really hope it's your new t- new tour vehicle. Yeah, I I, really I, do. I hope it's something fun. Uh, yeah, go to thenugnation.com to see what the fuck we're talking about. Smokable characters. Smokable. Well, I don't know if you'd want to smoke them because there's hot glue <laughs> once, behind all that once weed. Smokeable. Oh, that just adds to once the... Smokeable. <laughs> I mean... And it's not great One weed. man's trash is another it's man's not, it's treasure. Not great Let me put it this way. It's weed that would maybe have blown more, your maybe, mind in the late 90s, maybe, early 2000s. Maybe it's more from, smokable you mean like, yeah. you mean like here? Yeah. 
like right. here. Why were you guys getting amazing? Well, I mean, Pacific Northwest. Oh yeah, that's I mean, true. There's it's, tons of great weed up there. Ridiculous. Listen here, Sonny. Ba- ba- Let me tell you a thing too about marijuana. When I was buying grams, when I was buying lids of grass back in 19 diggity two. You know how much a dime bag cost? I remember when dime bags cost a dime. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh. TheNugNation.com. Check it out. <laughs> Mutiny Information Cafe, which is where Braden works. Heck yeah. Yeah. Books, records, coffee, live events, uh, shitty attitudes behind the camera. I will, I will treat you <laughs> like Bra- crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. Man, the, the five-pointed star of snark. Uh, yeah, no. Books, records, uh, cultural events. Uh, comic books, everything that you could possibly pinball. pinball. Come ask us a question about our bathroom key. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I I always make the joke every time we do the sponsor shout out. I make some joke about well all the sponsors and the one one I made recently was like saying that your bathroom key was designed by a jailer from the fucking 1100s. <laughs> Jim is definitely a jailer from the 1100s. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Matt and Jim Clang. are going to hate me for that. Oh, he doesn't listen to this of shit. Of course He actually told me straight up, he's like, nah, I never listened to it. I don't have time he's to listen not a to podcasts. I don't care if you listen, just subscribe, man. Yeah, 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 Come just on. subscribe to our numbers. Is that Jesus. your Jim? Or, or here's an idea, just... You know, since we are a mutiny transmission, by the way. Right. Yeah. Uh, how about put us on the website? That'd be cool. You could put us on the website, Corey Healy. Get us on the goddamn website. Oh, Corey. We're on our 62nd episode. Come on, Corey. Come on. You guys got that Westward Award, and we didn't even get mentioned in it because nobody knows we're a mutiny what, transmission. What the fuck, Corey? Are you ashamed of us? What the you fuck, embarrassed Corey, do your us? Job. You don't want to introduce us to your friends? Is that what it is? This is this is some backroom. This is some mutiny information some, cafe, Tucson Broadway. Corey. Uh, the heart of Denver, and uh, and and a cultural oasis in the middle of the vast <laughs> Denvoid. The Denvoid. Yeah. Tell Absolutely. everybody who works there that the boys sent you, and tell them to put us on the website. That'd be great. Flipside music on South Tacoma Street in Denver, Colorado. All the stuff that you want, none of the stuff that you don't. Go see Ike. And his selection of pedals, guitars, amps, and just amazing badass stuff that he's got there. Plus, he is the Grand Maester of the Sacred Order of the Baldman, um, who uh, I believe Gordo is a chapter member from Kansas. So uh, if you would like to attend a meeting of the Sacred Order of the Baldman, please go down to Flipside Music and ask Ike about it. How many fucking sponsors do you have? This is good. Uh, Oh, they don't give us anything. Well, those motherfuckers. We do, well, okay. So, like, Matula Plumbing, like, he's one of our Patreon subscribers. Oh, well, Jerry Matula. He gives you something. But, but here's the thing. He wasn't at first. We just, when we first started doing the podcast, we were like, we've got to give a shout-out to a sponsor on the show. Who should we pretend is our first sponsor? And Tony's like, Jerry Matula. So, Jerry Matula is the drummer of the Eliminator Band, okay. which is Tony's father-in-law's ZZ Top tribute band, oh like world-famous world yes. ZZ Top tribute. And Jerry Matula is their drummer, and he is also like, he's also a super funny, wonderful dude, and he uh, he ha- is a plumber, and like all their business cards are like a Master of Puppets mock-up, but instead of headstones, it's all toilets, and it just says, <laughs> Jerry Matula, Master of Poopers. <laughs> and, and like, dude, so we were like, We'll just say Jerry Matula's name so people think that we have a sponsor. And sure enough, 
Matula ended up joining us on Patreon. Nice. And like before even hearing that we used him as a sponsor, he was like, man, you know, that seems pretty cool. I'll jump on. I'm like, oh, it's great because we've been listing you as a sponsor on the podcast. Since <laughs> I don't want your endorsement. He's like, he's like, oh, right on. That's badass. Thanks, man. All right. That's good. Um, but then, you know, Rocket Space gives us a, a, a good deal on our on our practice and, and lets us carry a, a weekly thing. Evergroove lets us make records on credit, which is really, really super nice. Um, and uh, lets us pay our bill very, 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 very slowly That's and nice. still produces a, yeah, an awesome amazing. record. That's the Nug Nation lets us use the room, of course, and gives me a place to hang out when I'm sleepy. You always need a place to take a nap, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I never have a place between work and home where I can take a nap. Well, now with the Nug Nation studio, I have a place to take a nap. <laughs> Several. Uh, Mutiny. We're a mutiny transmission, so we get to put their name on our podcast. Flipside Music is... And they uh, might put you on their website. Yeah, they might eventually. Uh, Ike from Flipside Music is one of our patrons as well. And that actually brings me to the last but most important sponsor on our list, which is, of course, the brave, darling, uh, uh, erudite, uh, kind, generous, friendly, lovable sexy people who back us via a small recurrent contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys make our goddamn world go round in exchange for a small recurrent monthly contribution. They get access to exclusive and early content, uh, behind the scenes stuff, uh, VIP parties with beer and food. And uh, man, just like pretty much the band thread. Anything that comes to us comes to us then goes to the band like I send it to the band in a group text and then I send it to the patrons before the guys in the band can even reply to it so uh, yeah and they help us keep the podcast going they help us go on tour get merch printed um, advertise for our shows uh, do our MF Monday series on YouTube um, and make our records and pay our studio bills to Evergroove so thank you guys so much for everything that you do if you'd like to learn more about that Go to MF Ruck, or go to patreon.com MF Ruckus. Anyway, uh, now that we got that done, gotta do that every week, man. Gotta do it. Like it's not it's not the one time that you do it, it's the one hundredth time that you do it that it matters. So we're just putting in putting in time on that. Um, so we're gonna listen to some stuff from your new record, and this has never been heard outside of the band, am I correct? A couple friends. I mean, a couple friends here sure. and there. But yeah, I we, love that we're getting to do all these like family. these like world premieres and stuff. World, like yeah. world. Yeah. This is fun. So, yeah. um, so that intro this song. New, new. Tell me, tell me about the song. Tell me about the record. Because before we left, you were talking about some of the highlights of recording at the Blasting Room. So tell me, tell me a little bit about this song. Like maybe some moments from the recording process of this song. What what you're proud of with this. Well, it was really fun recording. We did it in two separate sessions that were uh, about a year apart. Yeah, we did. So we did. I think they were four or five days, both of them. So we did yeah, the record. Yeah, the in first about, one was like three days, and the second one was like five days. So we did the record in like you know under ten days, which is which is pretty good. Essentially, Holy we shit. did. Yeah, that's we like. I mean, that's from yeah. the punk rock days, man. We yeah. used to go in there. You had to get yeah, in yeah. and get out. But it's impressive because that's seven members and and a uh, bunch of fucked yeah. up instrumentation. Well, and a ton of vocal arranging. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's one cool thing about this song is there's some three part harmonies on it that turned yeah. out 
pretty cool. Yeah, I, I want to after, after we listen to the song, I want to ask you guys about that because that has always been something that we've gotten hung up on. So after we get through the song, I want to ask you guys about arranging vocal parts, just like from a technical perspective. Sure thing. Sure. Um, so, all right, tell tell us a little bit more about the song, and I'm going to go over there and start getting it queued up. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, it's called the Abyss. Uh, it's about uh hell and Satan and shit. Hell and Satan and shit. Yeah, yeah. this this yeah, is one fair. of uh. Did yeah. Zach write the write the words to this? Uh, yeah. I think this is yeah. a collaborative effort of Zach and myself and. Oh fuck. Maybe yeah, a little know. bit Rossi as well. Twelve twenty six sixty eight. Oh shit! Gonna have to change that. Is that your birthday? Yes, it is. <laughs> Dang, son, you old. <laughs> I already said that. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Yeah, uh, we just put a date on it.
who stands up over the hill His eyes are blank and his head is still He looks down upon the people there And spreads death around In time you're gonna see your life Flash before you in the dead of night And in the afterlife you'll find your ease In the fiery pit In time you're gonna realize While you're burning on your funeral pyre That in death there is no release From the fiery pit of the abyss Fuck, that sounds really, really, really good. Thanks, man. Thanks, so let's man. let's unpack it a little bit. So first of all, um, what I wanted to ask about was was vocal arrangements. Yeah. Because you guys, everybody in the band except your drummer sings, right? Uh, Dave doesn't really sing with Hangman's. Like he sings, but he doesn't really have a vocal role in this band. So he... so how do you go about arranging vocals? Like arra- like arranging those multi-layer vocal parts um so typically once a melody for a, a part that has like a, a a layer calling for it um once the melody is formed i'll uh i'll i'll hear a couple of parts and and drum it out and figure it out and then we'll do like little side vocal rehearsals to to hammer out the exact okay details of of the harmonies. But okay, yeah, it's pretty. It's you guys do set. You guys do like a sectional rehearsal just yeah, to like we, to, to work we, out the when vocal we write stuff. those vocal parts for sure. Yeah. Okay. Because vocal harmonies are a really crucial element and a part of I'd music say so. that I've always really enjoyed, and I finally have a, a band that I can implement them in. So, uh, it. Helps to have people who can sing. Like, does yeah, does everybody sure. does everybody have a pretty uh, a pretty good grasp on what their their vocal range is? Like what their strong yeah yeah definitely for sure. Like Jesse Jesse has the higher, has a higher tenor range. range. He's like a tenor sure. for sure. A- then, Abe can handle a pretty pretty broad range. He's got a, a higher higher voice that that goes down into the baritone register. I can handle a. a pretty large range i have a natural baritone but i can hit some higher stuff as well so i basically find a home in between abe and jesse typically um but there's some some songs where i'll find lower layers underneath abe and put jesse on like higher thirds but just work on like typical like triads a lot of uh one three fives and right and stuff of that sort you know five one threes if if I have to put myself underneath Abe, but. right. So, so what do you, what do you generally start with in the chord then? Like what? Like it really kind of depends on the the context of like if it's a, a minor or a major. You just start with that melody first, and I'll then start build on the either side then, of it. Yeah, and yeah. then build. Yeah, and then just kind of go from there. Just chip away at it layer at a time. That, that is something. That since the beginning has always escaped us, you know what I mean. Like we've always, we've always wanted to do it, but uh, it, it's it's always been a tertiary concern at best. You know, it's it's always been like, you know, having the cool guitar riff or you know having 
like I do most of the stuff in the band and very rarely do we have any any type of multiple uh part vocal harmony. This is the first so. band I've been in that really seriously. I mean, we tried some I've never other had stuff in other bands, had but voices nothing like this. Really do it before. How does that rehearsal generally go? The vocal rehearsal? We just try different things out and then sometimes it'll be like, "Hey, try a try a fifth there instead of a third or whatever." Yeah. And it Fortunately, you know, Jesse has a really strong theory knowledge as yep. well. And then between I've, these two guys, they I've, can, I've, they can I've put used, a name on it. I've right. used the circle of fifths to kind of implement a pretty firm understanding of basic theory and everybody. God, I should have paid attention to music theory. Should have should have paid attention I, to music theory. Yeah, I learned too. I learned just enough of it to not just like break my brain on the the finite minutia of it because you can get lost in music theory. If it's, it sounds good, it is. It's, good. it's a it's never really... ending like. It, it, Kind of like how you can never fully understand certain like quantum physics or calculus type mathematics. You know, like there's there's no full level of understanding music theory. It's a fucking the deeper complex. you dive into it, the more exactly. the less you, you know. It will break less... your brain. You can lose your fucking mind in that subject. Right. Um, but there's there's a certain amount of it that I think is really necessary. I, I use the circle of fifths in Nashville number system to catch everybody up to to my way of like thinking and quantifying music in my brain. Right. And then we just kind of go from there. Because, I mean, it's it's something that th- that that really stood out in seeing you guys live is just how how goddamn good the the vocal arrangement sounded. And Thank you. yeah, I mean, really that, I mean, that's, that is such a bit and how flawlessly it was executed. You know, I really, you know, when you, when you've been playing in a band long enough, you, you learn to pick apart your own shit so much that you, you, you get a, a greater forgiveness for people who make mistakes, but you have a heightened awareness about it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it totally And does. I just didn't. I, if you guys did anything that that was off at all, I did not notice it. Like those, it's those pretty vocals like sound these so guys. Good. These guys are good singers. Like it's pretty rare. As long as I'm hitting the notes, it's rare that I hear like a clunker. In right. There, um, right. Which is which is wild. How often do you guys rehearse? Ah, once we a used month. to rehearse a lot. Now it's more like once a month or so. No way. Then yeah. how do you how do you We'll gear so up are for you shorts. doing? A, are you do, doing a lot of writing in the studio then? When you go to the studio, or are you demoing a lot? Or you right, have everything pretty much arranged before? On personal time, and then when we and then we we'll bring the, it. Like we'll do a recording, send it to people, and then bring it. And then, uh, bring it and and then we'll come together and, and do it. Right, and 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 have everybody kind of put their. We've also been hashing out the same material for a pretty long time. We're getting ready to finally put out that Blasting Room album pretty soon here. Um, and do you have anybody that's going to put it out, or are you guys going to yeah, do it? Actually, yeah, actually, we're uh, we're going to do it with Snappy Little Numbers with Chuck Coffee. Oh, very cool. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully, get to uh, snag one of uh, one or two of the bands from that label to do a, a release with sometime. You guys should do some stuff the with the Blind the year, Staggers near yeah. the next next year. So hopefully, that'll be coming out relatively soon here. Yeah, in the next like six to eight months. Yeah, you guys, I. Like I, I could see you guys and the Blind Staggers doing a tour together. That nice. would be a match made in heaven, man. It'd oh, be yeah. fucking perfect. So, so all you Stagger guys, Damian, I know you're listening to the show right now. Like, look this band up, Hangman's Hymnal, 
Let's get you guys together on some shows, man. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about the recording process. Some of the stuff that, like, you said 10 days you guys did this in, right? Uh, yeah, probably Like 10, eight, uh, 10 probably sessions? Eight. We recorded in about eight days and then spent another uh, two days on mastering. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. We did do that. Um, or we didn't do that, well, we but didn't, Jason but, did yeah, it. We, we paid him for his time. We did. Did, did, you guys, <laughs> did you guys start it out with a live room full band? And, no, no, no. I and wanted, wanted to, but I there? wanted to I knew, so uh, bad. I but. knew uh, just experience-wise that, like, with the constrained time yeah. stuff that we had, we like we, we weren't going to be able to do that. So, uh, so yeah. how did it go? Roll in, get sounds for uh, for the drums, basically, and then a couple guys played live um, with the drums, record the drums. I think it was uh, Dave, myself, and you primarily played with drums yep. to, to cut all the bass tracks and drum tracks. Um, and so then just I like the remember. main guiding melody I, instruments and yeah, then and then yeah. rhythm section. And then section. we just start yeah. layering stuff over it. Yeah, and right. I, I can't remember if – I'm pretty sure that uh, we just did drums and then Dave did all his parts. Yeah. And then yeah. depending on the song, like on that particular song, like I'm not playing any guitar on that, so right. uh, I'm just singing on that. So it just depends on the song. And but then there were a couple that I played both keys and lap steel on that we put quite a bit – like I put quite a bit of personal time into – um, that <laughs> ate up the better part of like an entire day, right? Um, and then some of them were just like, uh, like Oboya, the instrumental on that album is, uh, the fast part is really ripped here, and, and the, the whole thing is like very intense orchestration, and it was pretty, pretty difficult to actually track out. And I think we kind of banged our heads against the wall on that one a bit. Dude, the studio the, the studio the puts everything f- under the microscope. Oh yeah, it's, it's so it's, hard. It's one yeah, especially of the when you have a guy like prize, Livermore uh, talking shit about you. you, the whole well, you time. Know, he was he's a straight shooter, huh? He, no, he's great. He, he yeah. is a he's straight fantastic. shooter, but he's got he'll great, bust your balls. He's too. got yeah. great uh, bedside manner, I guess. He does now. He didn't it. used to. He used to be way more. He used to break balls more. Now that he works with major label bands and stuff, you can tell like he. He, he, oh uh, yeah, he's had to work. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he was generally impressed with our talent and acumen as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, dude. I mean, it's a good fucking band, you know. I, 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 no, I doubt he had to correct you guys no, on I a lot. Have, I have a good, great work. He brought, he brought him. great critique though to the table. Like he, 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 he drew the best out of us. Like he could hear when we weren't. Uh, fulfilling our own expectations. He's got a crazy ourselves. ear, too. Right. Like yeah. He, yeah. Like it's disfigured or what? Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. It's three times as big as it his like other goes ear. over the top of his head. It's, yeah, it's like a fucking satellite dish. That song "Do Your Ears Hang Low" it was it was yeah, written about exactly. Jason Livermore. <laughs> exactly. It's, he tried. They should call him. They should call him Jason Earmore, not Livermore. Live Earmore. Live Earmore. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really excited to uh, I'm really excited to hear the record come out. Um, I'm I'll make sure I get a copy. Speaking of, it, of Jason, we're gonna call the record uh, "Swing and a Miss Livermore." Swing and a Miss Livermore is what you're gonna call uh, it. No, 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 that's no, not that's what absolutely we're not what we're gonna call it. That's uh, one of the 400 working titles in my brain that are never gonna see the light of day. So, what is the story that this album has to tell? Like the album as it's as an entity, as its as its own sentient uh, 
point of consciousness, like as its own, like if if the if the album were like had sentience, what would be the story that that it had to tell? Well, it's a, I would say it's a dark gothic tale. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it's, uh, Hell features Faulkner the musical features. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 like we were speaking of the Denver sound earlier. It's it's. Very much banging the drum, carrying the torch of that Denver sound of the the old the old school Denver country sound, and like right, just uh, kind of foisting a, a, the idea of of permanence of that sound on our scene because it's right. it's been going on for you know you know thirty thirty forty years now almost. I got to introduce. Uh, so, so I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know who's as someone who's lived here for a long time, or lived uh, born like, and bred, or born and bred, right? Like someone who has lived here all their lives. Like I'm, I'm sure you are aware of how many people are not from here. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, one of them. Yeah, yeah. The no, I know that. And one of the people, or a lot of the, many of the people that I work with are not from here. Uh, one of s- these such people is uh, I worked this guy Eric Yauk. He's actually uh, Adam Yauk's cousin from okay. the Beastie Boys, yeah. and we talk music a lot because he's be- because of his time with MCA, like he had the opportunity to meet a ton of musicians, and he's a big fan of music, and and we talk about stuff, and he's very interested into learning things, and he's very um, he's a very amicable dude. And uh, or amiable dude, is that the pro- you're the English major? What is the proper or not English major? But you're the writer. What is the is amicable appropriate? Amy- to Either this? one of those works. It works well. He's a great dude. amicable is friendly and amiable is you get 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 along with others well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's amicable. Both. He is both. He's probably both. He is both. And I got to introduce him. I got to explain the Denver sound to him. You know, I got to be like, well, in the nineties we had these bands like 16 horsepower. And, and then I kind of talked about this slim Cessna and I talked about, um, Munley, you know, the country gentleman. And, and then I was like, and now you have like Devotchka, which is like haunted by the same spirit, but is more of that like gypsy type of sound. And that more, uh, man, almost, almost like Latin crooner type of thing, you know? And, um, and I actually, uh, I used to live with uh, Nick's wife. Nick's uh, who's dropping names now? Yeah, I know, right? Well, I used to, I used to live with them, so like, so Nick is like uh, from the Vodka is like from this scene as well. Right. Yeah. So I got yeah. to kind of explain that that thing of the energy of of, of what is commonly known the Denver sound. I got to play uh, sixteen horsepower for him and introduce right. him to that, and that was a very satisfying thing because I don't think it's something that's particularly widely known no, as that yeah, being I something that so. we're... I don't think so either. And I think it's b- born of really uh, kind of a, a, a meshing and amalgam of some of the ideas of like the the early Denver country mixed with the Denver like metal and new wave scene that we had back in the day and like it there just became this really dark like country plains music yeah it's 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 cool stuff and it's uh, its own beautiful beast and it and it is also like it's indelibly country like yeah you can't can't say definitively that it's not country no it's absolutely country music and it's it's like uh man it's 
it's also one of those things that like before Denver was cool, we were all trying to come up with ways to sell people on the city. And maybe we regret that to a certain uh-huh. degree. Right. <laughs> but it was like, it was like, yeah, the Denver Broncos won two at Super Bowls. And yeah, we've got green chili. And it, like, right. like waving our tiny little Denver flag right. when we would go out on right. tour. You know what I mean? And, and that was one thing that we talked about is, is the Denver sound. Yeah. Know? And I, th- I think you guys have, have really captured that nicely. Well, that's I appreciate cool. that because yeah, that's something that I've been striving for from the start with this project. It's interesting you to hear that it Mark was deliberate. Rossi earlier. He and I started this thing together, and that was our original intention was to do a kind of mashup of the sounds of – Slim Cessna's Auto Club and Murder by Death. A yep. very dark, gothic, heavy, heavily string-laden, more focused on orchestration and instrumentation, um, but definitely carrying the torch of the Denver sound. And it's great to know that through all the different phases we've been through, that, oh, it we're, comes still, across. that we're still putting that in there. So, so. Now, now here's a question for you. Whenever my I've... I've been curious when you have bands that play a style of music that is so specialized like that, do you feel that that puts a cap on your creative bandwidth? Let me take this one, Braden. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, why don't you take this one? Uh, No. Here's the cool thing about (laughs) Hangman's that I liked about it from the very beginning. Is uh like we can play with a lot of different bands like right. with the with the instrumentation that we have the loud stuff fits in with punk shows you know you can play right. country shows you can play uh, pop shows even I mean there's just it's it's a wide variety so to me it doesn't really put a cap on it because um, it within the structure of that sound that we're talking about you know there's a lot of different places to go and I do you ever get ideas really for good. pop songs in your head Braden? like do you, are you ever walking around and you're like god that's that's a catchy little <laughs> pop song i could never bring that to hangman's practice yeah i, I, I mean you're a creator so ideas are going to pop into I your head i write a lot of stuff that uh <laughs> it never never comes to the table for for hangman does it go anywhere else um you know, special little songbook that i might <laughs> that i might bust out on everyone one day he's secretly sending them to like 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 he's ghostwriting for pop stars. I do, yeah. I do, I do private piano performances in the back of Mutiny sometimes for for select audiences. Because that's something that's something that is has always limited us in a way. Um, is we just want to play what we want to play, and we like a different a lot of different right. stuff. And we've always really we've gotten better about it in the last five years, but we've always really sucked at our branding. You know, really? like, no, dude, we've, we didn't start to figure out our, like our branding, our, like the, the optics for the band, you know, <laughs> we didn't start to figure that out until a couple of years ago. And, and we've always been really about like, ah, so what? It's a country song. So what? It's a pop song. So what? It's a metal song. So what? It's a punk rock song. We don't care. We just want to do whatever we want to do. But it has limited us in a way because it makes it more difficult to access us. Our label almost passed on us because he thought it would be difficult to market us. Uh And I'm just like I'm wondering if it's one of those things where the the give and take of those two different approaches to being a band is 
is balanced. You know what I mean? Like if there's, if it's, I was curious that the reason I asked if it, if it put a cap on your creativity is it, creatively is I'm wondering if maybe I've had this all wrong from the get go and I should just pick one thing and be really, really good at it. No, I mean, honestly, I feel like I do kind of go all over the place in terms of my songwriting for hangman's and mm-hmm. I, I channel a lot of my different influences. I listen to a lot of different music and but they're all complementary. Yeah, I feel like it all just ends up kind of blending well into the concept, unintentionally so, though. Right. Um, thus far. I'm about, <laughs> I'm about to it might, sw- It I'm might go off s- the rails tomorrow. I yeah, I'm about to switch gears on my songwriting pretty intensely and, and, and do a, a different style of songwriting than I've ever done before for the next album. Do you guys have any happy songs? Um, we did a couple. Um, <laughs> the look on Abe's face like, right now is like, right. the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, there's. Parts, I guess it's all relative, but <coughs> we, we, we do what Braden calls happiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do have a different definition than standard society. Um, <laughs> standard society. Can you say? Can you put a little bit more of a lilt on that when you said standard, standard society? Um. No, yeah, yeah. That, that's grandiose. Like, <laughs> <laughs> up your own ass. Um, no, I just what, like like you hear the like before I heard like when I heard the name Hangman's Hymnal, I knew thought disco roughly. Right? Yeah, I thought disco. I knew roughly what I was gonna get, but See? then I because there's a lot of bands that are doing that. That same kind of thing, the like, uh-huh. the like, the the carnival fucking mustache and the <laughs> the, the, the fiddle and the uh-huh. suspenders and the uh-huh. and uh, the everybody looks like an oldie timey barbershop photo. Uh-huh. Like I, I expected something like that, but but kind of in the middle, pedestrian, if you will. But then I saw you guys and you do it so masterfully as it like, you guys weren't aping anybody you know what i mean sure. you weren't you weren't some band that was like doing a half-ass tom waits or a half-ass hank three or a half-ass old crow medicine show sure you were you guys were legitimately had your own thing going on that was within the universe of that style of music but was very masterfully done oh, and yeah. and uh yeah yeah, so I, I I can definitely I I am curious though if like like when I say happy songs I mean like happy happy songs like silly uh, goofy no, like dick and no, fart jokes no. like you guys have any well, dick- uh, delirium maybe delirium is like the closest is, yeah that's probably I mean, the closest one even that's that is like, kind of satirical out, like making f- yeah have some fun what's tour like with Hangman's Hymnal is it not is it fun <laughs> not a, you guys don't tour at no, all we haven't we've done out of towners like uh i've got some good friends in kansas city what prevents you guys from touring abe's old ass no it's not me man (laughs) i I, like joyce attractions doing dates this summer right 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 i want to get the size of it and like it's just hard to make happen logistically and approaches and and and, like approached it it's just been yeah like there's also been like just a kind of an up and down uh like just there's been periods of inactivity for us right. for various reasons for, sure. from various members. You know what I mean? And right. that's kind of why, like, there have been periods of brief, uh, super 
activity, right? Like right. we got the record done, we had a full head of steam and stuff, and then some stuff happened, and we record played for a so while. For fucking a while. long, I dude. Think, I think, the, re- so I think the release of the record will spark another one of those. Periods yeah, and we'll of definitely do some. Activity. We'll definitely do some. And we'll hopefully do some it. touring for after sure. that. I yeah. think. I think it's important. Maybe it, take it, a smaller package out on the road. One of the many lessons I would impart to my younger self is is the lesson of understanding that things are almost always going to take way, way longer than you think they're going oh, to take. Now, I uh, I wanted to switch gears a little bit, but sort of on the same topic. Um, by the way, Abe, happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you, sir. I just had my first yeah, one. Back at you. Happy yeah, which was super fun, you know. Grilling with my brother-in-law and uh, my kids are gone. So, I so, so how old are your kids? Uh, my daughter's fourteen and my son's eleven. So th- they they are have either completely lost or are losing interest. No, in you not completely. at all, not at all. That's we're st- we're still pretty tight, so that's good. I'm sure it'll come because they're both transitioning. Like she's going to high school, he's going to uh, right junior when, high school. When like their social life is more important. So that'll than probably anything. that'll probably take over. But they're in Europe with their mom right now for the first time ever. Oh, uh, so that's what they're doing. Right. Um, oh, I saw I saw the pictures. They're yeah. in uh, they're in France right now or something. They're like in that, Italy right? now, but they were in France. Yeah, totally. Uh, speaking of, and this is a total aside. My friends from uh, the Great Electric Quest from California. They've been on tour in Europe for like the last month. And my, they ended up, I ended up connecting them with a buddy in Belgium who they stayed with and ended up getting an extra show together in Belgium and stuff like that. But my parents went out to visit, um, the friend in Belgium who my dad met on tour doing, doing merch with us. Shut up. You took your dad on tour to do merch. Yeah. My dad's come on, my dad's come on tour those twice. He's, he's 65 years old. Talk about father's day. He was, he was a cop for 43 years and he retired and asked to come on tour with us. Denver. Yeah. Yeah, wow. my dad was Denver Police for he was Denver D- Police for 36 years. DPD. Yeah, and before that he was military police in the Air Force and before that he was a jailer. So or, he's a pushover. He was a jailer <laughs> in uh in uh Clear Creek County for a while. Like my dad is a lifelong like he was Corrections. a so, Well, he was he was a soda jerk when he was a teenager and then he went into the military and then and he is a pushover. My dad's a total softy. Like Here's the thing, my dad. He sounds like it. This he is sounds what, like a just a cream puff. This, 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 like. <laughs> this is what this is what made him a really good cop and makes him a really good merch guy. You tell my dad to stand somewhere, he stands there. My dad is. <laughs> it's his beat. My dad is the really good. My dad is really good at following instructions. Like he's he's really good at standing in a place if you tell him to nice. stand there. But um. Uh, my parents went out to visit them, uh, visit this friend on their way to Prague. They're going to go take a river cruise from through uh, Vienna and whatnot. Why wouldn't you? And Germany. Well, he's retired now, yeah. so they're doing a lot of traveling. And Naturally. so it just so happened they were visiting Jan, my buddy in Belgium, when the Great Electric Quest came through. So I woke up today to an Instagram post of my parents with your buddy with my buddy's <laughs> band at, at like at a gig in Belgium. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're it's having like, fun and you're not, dude. It's but it's like one of those amazing things yes. about building those relationships and music sure. over the years and touring. Is yeah. Like, and speaking of Livermore, I mean, did you see the 
post like he happened to be over there with his family so they hooked up with my <laughs> my kids like it's the craziest goddamn thing yeah, man it's pretty funny that oh, oh yeah i did see that yeah. picture I, I thought you were joking at first but no i no, did see they that totally yeah they were over there i mean they didn't run like he asked me for uh nicole's number but uh it's such but it was pretty pretty funny it's such an amazing thing to to like even though you know for all intents and purposes like the big you know the man in the limo might show up any day now but in all likelihood we are never going to see lucrative careers from being entertainers probably not however there are so many things that we have earned through what we do that money can't buy and getting to see my mom and dad standing (laughs) on stage posing for a picture with two friends that I have made through music in a foreign country. That's pretty awesome. That's like, that's a beautiful thing. I wonder if you did merch for him that night. Dude, my dad is a great merch guy. (laughs) I believe it. He's great because we... Just from the curiosity factor, like if you see a 65-year-old guy doing merch for... Who looks like like Alan Alda, Punk rock and roll band, like you're going to be like, what's going on here? Like from stage, I would be like... Go see my Nevada, you know, over at the at the the t-shirt stand, you know, because merch table is t-shirt stand uh, in German. Uh, yes. <laughs> it totally is. Um, I was asking a, a buddy to teach me how to say merch table, and he said, "Just say t-shirt stand." I don't get it. Make sure but I put the sh- the stand right. They won't the get stand. it otherwise. But um, but he holds on to all the merch money because he's a. You know, he's used to working security and having to keep things under lock and key. And at the end of the tour, he's pulling all the merch money out and counting it. And you're like, holy shit, we would have spent this on, you know, fries and fucking beer if you hadn't been holding on to it. And when you say that's my dad over at the table, people just want to go over to confirm that that's true. That's a great idea. Plus, he's super friendly and dorky and, and just a weird guy. We made a battle jacket for him and everything. Nice. Super fun. But, um... So, so you're 50 now. I am. You are. You coughed saying that, like <laughs> that, that knocked the wind right yes. out of you. Did yes. you, during the last decade and a half that your kids have been growing up, did you stay active in music or was that something that you I did. put aside like, for a little bit? So you got to understand, I'm curious because I'm just at the beginning of that. Right. So when, uh, I'm. I met my uh, I met my the mother of my children uh, at a wretch like me show like towards the I don't know probably like three years from the end right uh, and then you know we started dating and uh, eventually the things went south with the band it broke up um, and I got married and uh, and I just I quit music for a while because I was I was bummed really that you that, were just burned yeah. out on it. Well, it wasn't just that too. I was like, we, you know, we had high hopes. We were hoping to uh, to do something. Wretch more, like me was kind of climbing the ladder a little bit. We wanted to, but um, but anyway, so it was just kind of you know disillusioned a little bit and just took a break and went back to college. Kind of defeated would a you little say? bit, yeah. Um, but actually, more so along the lines of like. <laughs> it was more. It was more like fuck that. I'm gonna do this. Oh yeah. Um. So that's when I went into writing and went to school and did all that stuff. But I only lasted a year, and then I got into a band called The Things They Carry up in Fort Collins. I remember the Things They Carry. Yeah. It was yeah. A, that was a awesome. Again, this is another one where they were a three piece instrumental. They were trying to sing, but none of them were singers. And I saw them play, and it's they it featured uh, the rhythm section from a band that was on our old label. Um, 
a band called Tanger that were fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, 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 Jason Jason Cope, yeah. Jason Cope's band. Yeah, so he that, gave so, me one of their records, yeah, man. So things they carry like that was Jason yeah. and John from from Tanger, and then a friend of ours, Adam, who played really cool guitar, and they were doing something like weird and different. Like it was really cool. I mean, it was super heavy. Uh, with the rhythm section, but then Adam played like almost a clean tone, <laughs> like it was really fucked up. Um, <laughs> cool, and it was it was rad. And I saw him play one night, and I basically went to Cope and just said, "You gotta let me sing for this band, um, like it'll be rad." And, uh, <laughs> and so we we did it, and uh, you know we recorded some stuff at the Blasting Room, put out an EP, and did a little bit of touring, but not a lot. But but right. anyway, so that that was great because that was a great band. So I mean, if you're gonna do something like as it's hard to do something that you put everything into right you're trying to do it professionally you're trying to be just top notch and then it just gets taken away from you well not just that but then like if you're going to do it again it's really hard to to do it at like a half-ass status or like a hobby stat like i wouldn't be able to play play with guys who aren't good you know what i mean like just having done it for that long you're just you're not going to go fucking you're not going to go play in a cover band or something you're not going to go play in bob's band yeah exactly yeah um so uh so anyway that's that got me back into it and then we ended up moving down here and then uh and then i started joy subtraction down here um so that that relit the fire yeah but uh, but again like at that point it was like okay i'm married and i have kids and like you know i i'm gonna have to get a real job and stuff so i'm just like i'm not gonna go on you know two-month national tours anymore you right know, it's just not gonna happen like i mean right. I, I could do a week here and there or whatever you know what i mean but um these things are good enough to be fulfilling in that uh right and feel like i'm not just you know did, did hacking it, ca- it or mailing it in or something did, did it did it cause conflict in your in your relationship in your home life the music i mean not really no she was into it right yeah right yeah i i don't know how many times you had the conversation with yourself that i think every because i i i almost feel like this is a universal with any serious player serious musician serious like band person And and I bring it up and I almost always hear an affirmative response, but just that conversation you have with yourself when you're feeling your worst and you're just like thinking of the things that you would do if you quit tomorrow, like thinking of the better uses of your time, thinking of like, like really just like imagining your life after quitting and you, so what would you say was the final the, the 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 final straw for you like what was the final decision point for you when you were just like fuck this i'm fucking out and you only took a year and a half off it sounds it like was that. a year uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh i well and you know if i hadn't had so much stuff going on like you know falling in love getting married right going going to college for the you know i like i did a year of community college after high school but like you know that was like 10 years before that right so uh, I had a lot to occupy my mind and stuff. So I was able to really just kind of put it over there and not think about it right. um, for a while. And so I think that's what it was. I don't know that I ever thought of it in terms of like, I'm never doing that again. Uh, I, I was just like, fuck that. I'm over here doing this. Um, right. And then it was over there. But then, you know, I fuck, I kept playing. I kept writing songs. I kept doing, you know, whatever. Right. Um, like so so you did you didn't quit quit you, I didn't you, quit, you, quit. you stayed I, you stayed at yeah I did it in my room do you think do you think that this is like being in high school again. right right <laughs> this is something I observed I've observed with uh friends of mine and I've observed it at least in its infancy in my foray into into parenthood do you feel like 
being a dad made you a more serious musician? Do you think it made you take your time more seriously? Do you think that it it focused you in any way? Uh, Do you, like, it, has it has it brought? I guess has it brought anything to your work as an artist and a performer that has been notable to you? I would say, I mean, yeah, I mean, and just getting older, you of course become you have more experiences you're more mature you right. like it can't help but you know have an impact of some sort right um so but i would say with the specifically with the kids i mean um i don't know it's uh it's kind of overlap because i was like the primary caregiver a lot of times so like right. there were times where i would like lug them to you know i've like brought them to hangman's practice a bunch of times see that's back, cool back i'm looking forward back to that before back before they were old enough to like you know look after themselves without a baby are they into music they are like my son plays Dash has great taste trombone music. uh yeah they no they they love <laughs> great like they both they taste. both just went to the hives refuse show oh which cool pisses me off because we were playing that night so That's i didn't so i didn't get cool. to go so their mom took them to that so that was pretty badass what was, what was the first show you took dash to sabbath black sabbath That's so cool the that last the last show my so son tight. my son went to more shows in utero than i went to the same year and actually that was probably not the the that was probably not the the first show because I dragged him to like one, seventh circle and shit. Yeah, I remember we seeing him at seventh yeah. circle with little earmuffs on. Yeah. He was like <laughs> four. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, old, how old was he the first time you took him to a show? Uh, like, well, Lola would have been the first one I took, um, but uh, she was probably like eight or nine or something. You know? Oh, like, she was eight or nine. So maybe. Like, my my wife took. My wife took our son Ransom to because, a, like, they would come. Like, we used to play, like, you know, wax tracks or whatever. Right, you right, know what right. I mean, and they come for that easy. You know? <clears throat> right. Well, wait. So, how old were they the first time they experienced live music? Yeah, like eight or nine. Eight or like nine. That. And Dashiell was probably younger. Probably yeah, six. I, I uh, Sarah took took Ransom with her to go see Lord Huron at <laughs> uh, at eight weeks old and i mean she said it was like miserable you know she's like i was next to a trash can in the bathroom breastfeeding the entire time oh, like it was sucks. you know but still no bought some like lord huron stuff and like when she was pregnant uh we went to a chelsea wolf show we uh you know which um i think russian circles played that one oh, and, Brad. yeah it, it, like right. she went she has a list of all the shows that she went to while she was pregnant, she was pregnant with and she went to more shows pregnant than I played or went to. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, like she, she's pretty gnarly. I don't know, man. Like I just got those isolation booth headphones, you know, for drummers basically. Oh yeah, and that I would I did, had no problem taking them to shows as yeah. long as they were wearing those. That, that's I figured a, that, that would be fine. I'm looking forward to that so much. Oh, it's and, great. and the reason I'm asking you so much about this is because, like I said, I'm at the beginning. Yeah, of you're it, gonna love it. It's gonna be fantastic. I, I can't fucking wait, man. And another thing that I've I've been noticing a lot over the last several years is we're getting to see the death of this old cultural meme that at a certain point, I think the, the, the rough age is like in your early thirties or late twenties or settle something down, like that. Settle down, the settle meme. down meme. Yeah. The like at a certain point, you're going to have to put childish things away and you're going to have to give it up. But most of the bands that I've gone on tour with in Europe, are dudes in their 40s and 50s that are still touring on a bus and going to you know play for people who are excited to come see them and i'm i'm meeting so many people where like like i saw um armored saint play on the monsters of rock cruise and john bush brought his son out on stage to nice. 
like play with Armored Saint while they're playing on this fucking that's, cruise ship. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's like it's really cool to start to see people going, "Hey, it's fucking cool to, you know, be a dad and to have a family and fucking rock and figure out a way to make it work and just because you can't go on tour two months at a time doesn't mean you can't tour at all and it doesn't mean you can't do anything and like a big reason for this podcast, a big reason for the way that we do things is trying to figure out a way to make it work because I love our drummer so much. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be in a band with Ty, and I only want to be in a band with Ty. So how do I make it work when he's got two kids and a wife and, right. and a real nine-to-five job? And I love being a dad, and I love being a partner, and I love having a place to live. So how can I make it work without, you know, abandoning these people, which I think is something that was – like you hear about like Roger Daltrey's story, like Roger Daltrey, the kids are all right. Like the song, the kids are all right. I went and saw the who on, um, they did this tour where they were doing the hits, but they were doing kind of the stories behind the hits. So they would tell a little backstory about where these songs came from. And he was talking about writing the kids are all right. And he talked about how at that point in his life, he had, you know, gotten this woman, you know, this girl pregnant and she had his kid. And he was basically like terrified by this notion of having to give up his freedom to, you know, he's a pretty young dude to be a father and to be a husband and all this stuff. And saw that van sitting out in front of of their place and he bailed on them. And he was like, eventually I did, you know, get right by them. But that was like that was what was happening at the time that I wrote this song is it's, it's all about me fucking bailing on my family. And I think that we're starting to see those fears getting quelled a little bit and we're starting to see it become more um, socially acceptable for adults, parents to continue to be artistically engaged. And I think that our kids and society as a whole benefits from that. Sure. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on the person too. I mean, yeah, you know, you're going <laughs> to, if you're going, if you're going out to play gigs and get wasted, you know, three nights a week and coming home and fucking your life up, that's one thing. Right. But if you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with wanting to, to just keep doing your shit. Um, yeah. And like, you know, I just, I, I just love music, so I couldn't stay away. What do your kids think about you in music? Like, what do you they think about you as, like, do they think it's cool that yeah. you're in bands and stuff? Yeah, they think it's cool. Yeah. Absolutely. I told... Um, and then, I like, I know, like, I have some people, in, I know some people in some pretty big bands, so, like, that always trips them out and stuff. Right, right, you know? right. When you're so, like, oh, yeah, I knew him from way back in Right, Pinkager. exactly. And they're like, Dad, you sound so old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they... they bust my balls all the time well fuck guys um we're gonna we're gonna wrap it on up here i want to say first of all thank you for coming on and talking with me like my favorite part about doing this Absolutely. is i get uh to get to know people that i might not otherwise have the opportunity to get to know and um I, you know i love i love meeting interesting people and i love learning more about the people in in our scene and in the music world and that are out there creating and um, I would love to have you guys on again, and I would love it if we could we could do a show again. Yeah, sometime. please, sure. let's do it, dude. Like, I, this is a treat. Like, I've 
loved your band for like years now. Thank um, you so much. Abe. So I appreciate like, it's that. It's just been a this has been a pleasure getting to know you. And, it's it's and a lot of fun, this man. Stuff. And this is the first podcast I've ever done. So it's dude, it's so there fun. Like just sitting and having a conversation with your friends. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a great. It's it's nice great. At first when you were going, well. at first when you were saying like three hours, I was like, really? Oh, dude. It, uh, but it, it just flew by. It flies so. by, man. There you go. Because because it's just you're just sitting around. I, I love. I love characters, you know. Like I've always loved characters in in stories, and we. Uh, I just did um, the motherfucker in a cape podcast over at Mutiny sure. uh-huh. the other night. You were working that night, yeah. Yeah. and uh, we were the tail end of it. We were we were talking about our background, and one of the things that I was talking about was like I was like, frankly, I'm kind of just a casual comic book fan, you know. So I'm sorry to disappoint any of the the nerds right. who are listening to this, but but really, you know, I I, I got into a handful of comic books, but wasn't really much of a collector. Really what I've always loved is stories and characters. Yep. And one thing I always said about my friends growing up, you know, the, my large friend group is I would have some, like, I'm sure you have had some real deal insane people in your life, you know, like, yeah. like people, I was one for a while. <laughs> yeah. Same, same, you know, people that now you might not want to come into your home. <laughs> you know, if, if that person came through a time machine and like, Wanted to use the bathroom in your house. We've you'd be all like, been shittier versions of ourselves. At <laughs> exactly. People, there, there are no shitty people. There are no good people. There are just more or less shitty or good moments. You know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I, I always said I appreciate my friends for the novelty of their character. And a really fun thing about this is just being able to sit down with people that I'm curious about and to learn more about them and learn more about their story and who they are as a character. And I've, I've been wanting to have you guys on a while, uh, a while to learn more about how you guys do what you do. And I really appreciate you coming in and talking with me. So stoked, uh, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no Thank you so much. So we're going to close out as is tradition with a one for the homies shout out. So at the very end of the episode, there's going, we're going to play a track by a band that you think deserves some credit or deserves a shout out, or you got a show coming up with them or or they just put out a record, just just someone who who we want to call a little attention to at the end of the episode. Who you got, Abe? I got a couple, but okay, uh, get, get, to give me give me your to top one. one. Drop it. Uh, there's a. Um, should I do the self-serving one, or should I? <laughs> you can do a self-serving one too. There's no. been plenty of people who've like, done. There's nothing wrong if you decide. I mean, that was to. that was going to be my choice. That's why I'm leaving it to you. No, well, I see. I could I could hedge my bets and do. Uh, there's a band called a Vulture Wake. That's a that's a newer band. A Vulture Wig. A Vulture Wake. A Vulture w- Wake, like yeah. it, like a wake attended by vultures. Yeah. Oh, it's that's a, it's pretty a, cool. It's a term. It's a it's like a murder of crows or something. Um, a vulture wake. I'm pretty sure. Like that's, it's a bunch I'm, of vultures I'm hanging pre- out. I'm pretty sure that's the deal. Yeah. So that's pretty tight. Uh, it's a wake of vultures. Uh, yeah. So Jesus. Chad Price, the second singer, no, third singer for all. Oh uh, yeah, Chad fronts, Price is fronts great. that band. Um, and uh, he's a he's a old buddy of mine, obviously. And um, so Joyce of Tracks is playing three shows with them this weekend. Cool. Um, and one of them is at Lost Lake, but they're a really cool band. Awesome. Like, so well, we'll put them on at the end. And real quick before, um, real quick before we're done here, is there anything you guys have coming up after this Friday? Um, because this episode probably won't drop until Friday. Is there anything coming up you guys want to plug? The place people can find you. Where can people look you up? Um, 
what, what I don't think we have anything on the books uh, we right now. We don't have any official shows on the Joy books. Joy Subtractions right at now. Lost Lake on Sunday. <laughs> just just watch 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 <laughs> oh, for the new record. Sunday. Yeah, watch for the new record coming out with snappy little numbers. Uh, watch our Facebook and Instagram for posts uh, pertaining to that. Just Hangman's Hymnal on Facebook Hangman's and Instagram. Hangman's Hymnal yep. on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, it's cool, man. We're pretty low key. We don't do a whole lot of uh, advertising. We just it adds to your mystery and spookiness. Exactly. Um, I think we're gonna. I've, I've made it a point to like. I'm gonna start booking some out of town shows. Cool. Yeah. Do some do some more stuff and and because uh, you know uh, we play like you know once every month and a half or two months here in Denver. I'm gonna uh, tell I'm gonna tell the blind staggers to get a hold of you so you guys can good. do something together. That'd be sweet. You guys should do something. So uh, we'll be putting something together with Granny Tweed soon. Too. Fuck uh, love the boys yes. and Granny yeah. Tweed. As soon, dude, as, that, as soon as the record comes out, I, fig- I dude we'll, having we'll Gordo produce this show is so fun. Nice because he's sweet. he's such a funny guy and he's just like he's just a warm bright ray of sunshine. Dude, to I'm have just around. blown away just, by. Uh, the art. Oh, Josh. Josh's yeah. art. Josh yeah. is fantastic. We had uh, we had Josh, Terry, and Gordo on the show a few episodes back. Nice. And Josh is like he's one of my very good friends. But the only time we get to hang out is is like when we're working on a project together. And this was like the Busy first dude. time he and I have sat down and have a, had a conversation where there wasn't a no, uh, a sketch pad in front of him ever. Right. It was it was a blast, man. I recommend checking it out. Nice. Anyway, thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast, episode number sixty-two. Uh, make sure you check out Hangman's Hymnal on all their shit, Facebook and Instagram. Watch out for their new record. It's yet to be titled with like forty or fifty uh, working titles. Um, once again, <laughs> Brother it'll, Braden's it'll, backwards it'll, burial. It'll probably be self-titled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how what, it'll what? end up. Number one. <laughs> ah, the Lazy Man album title. <laughs> the LP. Uh, so uh, once again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, thanks for telling a friend. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and do all that jazz. Do it. For the motherfucking podcast. Fuck. Yes. I'm Aaron Howell. Tony and Gordo have the week off. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Blood on
Motherfucking Podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash MF Ruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 